get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. But these are guys that have been tested that understand the ins and outs of competing at this level. They're not wide-eyed. They've, they've been around. They've uh, they've had success. They've also taken their beatings, and they they don't ride the emotional roller coaster that a rookie would ride. That earns trust. So I look forward to that. No doubt. The Cardinals are trying to sell you real hard on this rotation. That includes Miles Michaelis, Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, and oh yes, even Matt. He's still a part of this thing as well. T-Bone, I'm not sure I'm buying it. I like what? Sonny Gray a lot. I like the depth that they've developed. I think they got a big old donut hole in the middle of this rotation, and it makes me nervous about what it's going to be in 2024. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Bradford Bruns, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So I went through, did some nerdy math last night, T-Bone. I was looking into some things. Looked at the top four starters in the rotation from last year, because frankly, I think it's unfair to include Adam Wainwright in some of these conversations because it was... It was a tough year for our guy, Wayno. Now, he is going to be a part of a con- uh, a concert very yeah. soon. Did you hear about this? I did. I saw someone tag me on it on Twitter. He and Ludacris going to nice. be involved in a concert, I think, in the St. Louis area, if I'm what not mistaken. Herring. Good for him. So he's not a part of this rotation. He probably shouldn't have been a part of the rotation last year, neither here nor there. We got 200. That's all that matters. Yes. Top four starters not named Adam Wainwright last year for the St. Louis Cardinals. Gave you 93 starts, a total of 520 innings, and in total for the Cardinals last year, this is prior to them being dealt, uh, Monty, Flaherty, what they did with their new teams, they had a 4.28 ERA here in St. Louis, those top four starters. Your top four starters according to the projections this year. So we're talking Lynn, Gibson, Michaelis, uh, Sonny Gray, those four guys. Oh, drum roll, this gotta be better. 108 starts. Okay. It's an improvement. All right. Although it's actually fewer than what you would have had last year had those well, guys kept starting for the Cardinals, the, but neither they, here nor the there. The numbers are light on starts. 610 innings, okay. which is an improvement, but again, it would have been actually less than what you got from Montgomery and Flaherty had they stayed here instead of going to their new teams. But again, ni- neither here nor there. And a 4.22 ERA, which is an improvement from what you had last year, which was a 4.28 ERA for your top four starters. So you're going from a group that gave you 520 innings and a two or 4.28 ERA to a group that could give you 610 innings and a 4.22 ERA. T1, was that enough? Like, is it just enough to get you more innings this season? Is that enough to improve this club the way that they need to heading into 2024? Uh, that'd be a big old no from T-Bone. Um, no, I, I don't think it's good enough because 
I, I think if they wanted to go this innings route approach, I get it. But then I should see in the projected numbers that show like, hey, our team ERA from our rotation is going to be better as well. And that's not a whole lot better. That's not good enough from what I would say. Because though their plan is to have the starter go six innings. So what we're saying is those starters go six innings, and now they're giving up four earned runs. And then, hey, the bullpen, because we got six innings out of it, it's going to be fresher, and we can shorten games because of it. Okay, but I also have to assume that the bullpen's not going to be perfect all season long and is at least probably going to give up one run. So now I'm up to five runs potentially in games in which the pitchers are pitching in. And that means I got to rely on the offense to score six runs basically every game out, which is unsustainable. The best offense in baseball is the Braves. They didn't even average six runs a game last year. So you could get there. No, you could not get there. <laughs> that, that As much as I love this offense, and I'm with you, I, I think the offense is going to be good as long as it stays healthy. Even with that belief, they could not score six runs. They, they need the rotation to post a below four ERA, I would say, for those guys that you mentioned that are going in and going to cover innings. Like, I'm not saying they got to have a quality start every single time out, but quality for the start, most by the way, part, is a 4.5 ERA. Is it now? Yeah, six innings, three earned runs. It's a 4.5 ERA. Now, there are other quality starts that fit into that criteria that would make it better, but in general, a quality start is a 4.5 ERA over the course of a season. I'm sorry, has Bellinger re upped with the Cubs? This plays in the Central, baby. Come on, give me those numbers. You're not wrong. I, I do think this is enough to win you the division. I do. I really do. I, I think part of what the Cardinals are trying to to sell you on heading into 2024. We'll see if they're right. I mean, Bradford clearly all in. He's got his birds on the yeah, bat jersey on today. today. Who is that, by the way? Who do you have on your back? Oh, Walker, not guys. well done, my good friend. Thank you. So if you look at it heading into this season, I think what the Cardinals are trying to do is they're trying to get rid of their weakest links. They believe that if they can just upgrade from the terrible play that they got in certain areas, they'll be better heading into this season. If they don't have Casey Lawrence throwing innings for them this season, wow. there will be an improvement there. If they don't have Adam Wainwright starting meaningful games for them this season, they will improve from that. If they don't go into the season with Jordan Walker being a shell of himself defensively in right field and Alec Burleson being below average at best in left field, uh, you'll be better because of all of these different things. If you don't have Michael Ciani starting games for you in center field, you're probably going to improve as a result of that. So I think that's their plan. I, I don't know that it's going to work. I would say I'm, I mean, skeptical at best, worried in a worst case scenario, but I think that is what they believe will lead them to, not the promised land, but promised land of well, winning the central division which gets you like a nice old little trophy i was gonna say their version of the promised land which is the nl central title and then golfing by mid-october that would be their promised land i i just don't buy the notion that these innings that they're gonna all of a sudden have from this rotation is going to make the bullpen so dominant that it can make up for if they have like a whole bunch of number fours in their rotation i just don't buy that and in fact to your point about like this idea of trying to improve upon like Jack Flaherty, for example, when he was here, Jack Flaherty in his time in St. Louis last year threw 10 fewer innings than Lance Lynn when he was in Chicago and had a better ERA, by the way, because Lynn was at a 6.47 and letting the ball fly all around in Chicago. Like, I just don't buy this notion that the innings are the whole reason this team can win. Just like I don't buy the whole notion that now that Matt Carpenter is going to be leading this squad 
hoorah that they're going to be a team that's going to be able to win 90 games now. Like, I, I just don't buy this notion. What wins games is guys that have filthy stuff and can have a one-two elite combo at the top of a rotation. And like you said when you started this segment, there is a giant donut hole right there at that number two spot. I think innings matter. I, I think it is a good thing to help keep a bullpen fresh. I just don't think that's the thing that's going to improve you 15-plus games to get you into that 85-90 win total mark. Well, we've got a gentleman, woman, somebody from the 443 that texts in. By the way, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You look that up while I talk about what they texted in here. By the way, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash 101 ESPN STL. That's where you can go. Studio, studio cams are powered by the Air Alliance team. You can get involved in the graveyard. They got the chat going over there on YouTube as well. They bring up the 2011 Cardinals and how that rotation wasn't great when it came to the names that were involved with it either. They said, what was the starters ERA from 2011? They're going to be right about this. You guys need to chill. I would put money on this Cardinals team making it to the NLCS. We can go through this real quick. The 2011 St. Louis Cardinals had Chris Carpenter, who started 34 games, through 240 innings and gave you a 3.4 ERA. They also, from there, if you want to continue along and go down this path, had... Sorry, my computer just decided to screw up. Jaime Garcia. He was number two. Yeah, 194 and two-third innings pitch with a 3.56 ERA. There you go. Uh, Jake Westbrook, 183 innings, 4.6 ERA. That's kind of what you're hoping for from, like, uh, Kyle Gibson going into this season. And Lance Lynn. Jaime Garcia, 3.6. Kyle Loesch, 30 starts, 190 innings, 3.39 ERA. I think that's like the best case scenario that you're getting this year from Sonny Gray is what you got that year from Kyle Loesch. And he was your number two starter. Kyle McClellan, 17 starts that year at a 4.1 ERA. Edwin Jackson, 12 starts that year, 78 innings, 3.5 ERA. So almost every starter in your rotation had a sub four ERA, most of them a well below four ERA. I think there's maybe one guy that I would bet on in this rotation right now, as of today, that I think will have a sub-4 ERA. There's one guy. Sonny Gray. And it's Sonny Gray. And if you want to make the case for it, I think the second most likely pitcher, the second most likely is probably Miles Michaelis. Third most likely to have a sub-4 ERA in 2024, I think, is Steven Matz. You're number five. (laughs) And I don't know how I can convince you that he's going to start more than, like, 15 games. Like, I think Edwin Jackson's numbers from 2011 are pretty realistic for what you can expect out of Steven Matz heading into 2024. So, yeah, I... If you want to look at 2011, we can. Who's your Matt Car- or who's your Chris Carpenter? I, I don't really see that guy on this team right now. Like you, you would have to combine Sonny Gray's effectiveness, with like Miles Michaelis' length in the rotation. If you put those two guys into one pitcher, yeah, you got Chris Carpenter. All right, we'll, we'll just work on that. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I we did the you did the numbers. It's been maybe a couple weeks where you went through the I think last season's postseason teams or the last handful of postseason teams that got to maybe it was the World Series and ran through, like, here's what the average number one starter GRA was. The number two, the number three, number four, number five, so on and so forth. And I think we came to the conclusion that they would get, like, maybe the number one with the ERA that we're talking about. Like, uh, I could see what you said, a three four five three five for Sonny Gray's as ERA. But I don't see anybody else having a below four. Maybe Matt's, but again, he's going to give you, like, you have to prepare for 15 to 20 starts from Steven Matt's. I would be shocked if Lance Lynn, Miles Michaelis, or Kyle Gibson – had below four ERAs this year. They're just not that guy. They're not those guys that are going to have those sub four ERAs. So Jeff Jones had an interesting tweet the other day, though, that plays into what the Cardinals are trying to sell you on, which is last season, the Cardinals got five innings or fewer from their starter 
on consecutive days. So back-to-back starts of five innings or fewer. 21 separate times this past year. So that means 42 instances, 22 separate occasions of a starter going five innings or fewer in a back-to-back situation. Five times, T-Bone, last year, it happened three consecutive days. Now, if there is a case to be made, if we're going to argue the opposite of what we're saying here, because I'm I'm on the side of you where I'm saying, I, I don't know that this is going to be enough. Can you can you be better with more innings from your starter? Sure, I, I believe that, of course. I don't think anybody would disagree. Can you be better enough to go from 70-some-odd wins to, like, 92 wins? No, I don't think that's where you close that gap. But if I was to argue the devil's advocate, I think it would come down to this. You had so many games that were basically scheduled losses from last season that it completely ruined any ability to have momentum on your side. Like if you went through a three-game series and the first two games your starter goes five innings and then four innings and then game three you're going into this, like you don't have half of your bullpen available to you. And then that trickles into the next series where suddenly, all right, like we don't really have a long reliever available for us, which changes the way that you use your starting pitcher. You have to get length out of them, even if they're going out there and getting shelled. And you'd love to go to last year. Maybe it is a Casey Lawrence or an Andre Pallante or Jordan Hicks for multiple innings. You can't because that guy's unavailable. So you have to get Miles Michaelis or Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, whoever it is, through six innings. Because if you don't, you're once again like, You're chasing your tail going into that series. So if you're arguing the opposite side of things, it is this stat from Jeff Jones. We're 21 separate times last year. You got five innings or fewer in back-to-back starts. Yeah, and they should be better positioned for that. That I would agree with. And it would just come down to the effectiveness of the starter, which is the biggest question for me still. And I think they're better positioned this year because they, they have, what, like, four guys, five guys locked into this bullpen. They have an actual shuttle that they can call upon in Memphis. I like what they've done with the bullpen this year. We've talked about it. They've got guys that have some swing and miss that are going to be on the 40-man roster that will be down in Memphis, and they have guys with options. To where if this does occur, and I think this was an issue last year, was if you do start to have this, there wasn't a whole lot of like, okay, we can send this guy down and call up like James Nail was option A. Like It's not a good option A to have to call up from Memphis. This year, it feels a little bit different. They've got some guys that have got swing and miss. They should have some flexibility in the bullpen to where if this does occur, say, you know, maybe it's a pitcher's injured or Matt or Gibson don't end up going six innings and they have to go about this route again where they go like four innings both. They can go, okay, this year we have that shuttle. Let's It's it's unfair part of the baseball in the business, but let's option so-and-so down that's pitching well because we need a fresh arm. He's not going to be available. And let's call up, let's say, uh, one of the arms that they've got on like the minor league deal. Like I, I think they're better set to kind of have that shuttle from Memphis and St. Louis this year to where they can kind of manipulate it around a little bit more and send guys down, call guys up compared to last year where it was. They just never really had that. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line to get involved in the show. The YouTube chat is off and running over on YouTube.com slash 101ESPNSTL. They call themselves Graveyard. That is where you can go if you'd like to get involved in the chat over there as well. We did get a couple of texts that basically say, are you guys really expecting the Cardinals to go from worst in the division to a legitimate World Series competitor? Maybe not, 
but I'd like to see them try, and we'll discuss what that means with this version of the Dodgers coming up next year on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is the super team. This is the this is the super team that I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, when you look at talent up and down the roster, I didn't like the roster last year. I'm not I'm not, I'm not kidding around. I wasn't a huge fan of what the Dodgers had in the lineup, and they still won over 100 games. <laughs> I mean, what is this lineup? What is this group on the mound going to do? Tyler Glass now, if he if he starts 28 games, which he's never done, if he starts 28 games for the Los Angeles Dodgers this year, they could have 60 wins at the All Star break. Like, this is how good they are. This this is a team that could win 120. Like this is a team that is that talented. That was Greg Amsinger earlier today on the morning show talking about this Dodgers team having the ability to be the best regular season team we've seen in the last 25 years. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Bradford Bruns, I'm Brandon Kiley. T-Bone, I hated the Dodgers last year. I remember going into the season and I was telling you, like, has anybody actually looked at the players that are going to be wearing the Dodgers jerseys? Or are we just looking at the fact that they're the Dodgers and assuming they're going to win 100 games? The answer was probably the latter, and they still did it. And it didn't matter. I didn't know half of the guys that were pitching for them last season. They got a bunch of, like, 30-plus-year-old position players, and all of them went back and had, like, a rejuvenation of their careers. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And yet it worked until they got to the playoffs, and then it was the same old story for the Dodgers once again. And then the postseason, or after the regular season— They decided, you know what, we're not doing this again. We're going to go ahead and go out there and be hyper-aggressive. Yamamoto, we want you. Otani, we want you. We're going to have the best offseason any team could possibly ask for. This is what the Mets said that they were going to do. And then they went out and accomplished their offseason goal. And now, T-Bone, I look at their roster, hot damn. As unimpressed as I was with them a year ago, I can't think of many teams in recent memory that had a better collection of talent going into opening day than what this year's Dodgers will. You look at their lineup. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, that might be the best trio that we have seen leading a lineup ever. Like, since the 20s Yankees? Like, it's going to be at that kind of level, potentially. And then you look at their rotation. I mean, yeah, they've got some questions after Bobby Miller with Paxton, Sheehan early on the season. But eventually, you're going to get some of these older starters that they have that are coming back from injury back into their rotation as well. This is a juggernaut, the likes of which we rarely see in Major League Baseball because teams just aren't willing to pay what it costs to have one of these kinds of teams. T-Bone, we heard right there from Greg Amsinger, 120 wins not out of the realm of the possible. In the last 25 years, the best team regular season-wise that we've seen is the 2001 Mariners who won 116 games. After that, it's the 98 Yankees, 114 wins. 2022 Dodgers won 111 games. That's it in the last 25 years for teams that won 110 or more. Is this team 
in play to do something like that? I, I think they're in play. If they stay healthy, I think they can do it. But I, I think health is going to be a major question mark for this team. And, and I know what you said where they're going to get Beeler, they're going to get possibly Gonsolin, May, Kershaw all back into this rotation mix at some point. But even then, those guys still will have health question marks when you think about them. And maybe they can start, maybe they end up being healthy, they come back. Paxton deals with injuries. Glass now deals with injuries. We'll see how Yamamoto translates to the big leagues. Like, I think if everything kind of clicks into pay- place, their 80th percentile will be to win more than 116 games. That's how good they are. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think they're going to deal with injuries in the rotation, and I think it's going to slow them down just a little bit to where, like, this juggernaut is still going to be viewed as a juggernaut. They'll win 100-plus games. They'll be around like 105, I would say, would be my guess for this season. I'm not going to discount the rotation concerns, the injuries whatsoever. But what's scary for me, if I'm any other opposing team, is looking at what this middle infield could and should be like this season as opposed to last. Before they moved, guys, bets more regularly to second base last year, you basically received nothing from that combo of Vargas and Rojas. This year, Betts is installed as the everyday second baseman. You know that you're getting a formerly elite prospect in Gavin Lux to man shortstop, and then in the outfield for that matter too. How much more scary are you going to be by replacing Tanner, as you said before the show, essentially a guy in left field like Peralta with a Hernandez. You get to platoon a Hayward now. They're deeper and that much better in the lineup. And for me, that does make a big difference. Yeah, their lineup has a chance to be all-time great. And it really does come down to whether or not you believe in this group of pitchers that are going to be available for them. I, I personally do. And I've seen what they have done with a far worse collection of talent. I think this team can win 110 games or more in 2024. And if that ends up happening... I will be curious to see how that influences John Mosaylock as we get closer to the trade deadline. Because when you look at the Dodgers and you look at the Braves, who are just like this forgotten team over here that was the best offense in baseball last year and has improved its rotation and hopefully will have, for them, better health in 2024. If you look at those two teams as the juggernauts in the National League, we talk about this all the time with Doug Armstrong as we get closer to the trade deadline. Is he really going to add to a team that has very little chance of winning the Stanley Cup final? Probably not. I think the same thing is true for John Mosellock. We've seen this in the past. If he doesn't think his team is one of the favorites to win the title, he doesn't view it as necessary to add the top player that is available at the trade deadline. Will he go out there and add? Sure, of course he will, because he always does. This team, whenever they're in contention, adds something to the roster at the deadline. But that something largely is guys like Jay Happ or John Lester or Jose Quintana, which is a nice addition, but it's not, you know, uh, Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, which is what these teams are likely to add. So the Dodgers and the Braves are going into the season already at such an advantage relative to what the Cardinals have, and then they will continue adding. Like, if the Mariners don't live up to expectations, they'll probably trade one of their starters. Guess where they're likely to go? One of Houston, Atlanta, or the Dodgers, because that's how they operate. They operate at a different platform from where the Cardinals are at right now. So I think the presence of the Dodgers and Braves, it it will influence what the Cardinals decide to do in season if they reach expectations. And I have every expectation that they will get to that, those lofty goals. Yeah, it'll be interesting because like, I think the move you'd have to make to just even give yourself a fighting chance is the move that Mo and the front office won't make, which is go out and acquire a number two starter, like Dylan Cease, for example. For you to compete with the Dodgers, I, I think your lineup, look, they've got the better trio. There's no doubt about it. But 
we looked at this. Their their lineup in 2023 had seven of the nine position players with a above 100 OPS plus, which is above league average. The Cardinals had, I expect to have the same thing, at least seven guys above league average offensively. Now, depending on if you get 60% above league average like Betts and Freeman were like that, again, their trio is going to be better than the trio you can throw at them. But offensively, you're deep just like them. So for me to have a fighting chance, you have to have a number two starter in this rotation. You have to have somebody that can pair up with Sonny Gray, and you have to have an elite bullpen. And we'll see how the bullpen kind of comes together. But I I don't know if Moe's going to be willing to say, okay, let's make that move, because he'll view it as what you said. It's not a move that's going to catapult the Cardinals into, okay, now that we acquired, say, Dylan Cease, for example, we're now going to be viewed as one of the favorites in the National League. No, but I think it gives you a better fighting chance, but I just don't think he would be willing to pull off that move because he'll view it as, okay, why would I give away some valuable assets when I'm going to go acquire a starting pitcher that's just going to help us get bounced in the playoffs because we don't have a chance against the L.A. Dodgers? All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's address this because it's something that's coming up uh, all over the place now, whether it's on the YouTube chat, youtube.com slash 101ESPNSTL over in the graveyard or on the text line as well. It's been now posted over on Fox 2 that former Cy Young winner Trevor Bauer says he would, quote, love to, end quote, pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals, adding that he has not been offered any kind of a contract, and I don't expect them to offer him any kind of a contract. The Cardinals are the last team uh, that I believe would actually go down this path. They're not going to. And one of the reasons why is because this settlement that he had this offseason, it's great for him, sure. It's not the only case that was outstanding. He had three different cases that were against him that were still pending in court. One of those three has now been settled. So he has that off of his plate, so to speak, not to be like haphazard about it, but that's from his perspective, how he's viewing it is, okay, this is now something that I don't have to worry about if you're Trevor Bauer. Well, there are three different instances. One happened in 2017 in Ohio. Another took place in December of 22 in Arizona. That case is expected to go to trial this year. Do you think a team is going to sign Trevor Bauer with the understanding that at some point in this calendar year, while on your team, he will be in trial in Arizona where this woman has, uh, according to reports, already taken a deposition? You think a team is going to be willing to take on that kind of PR nightmare? No, it's not happening. So... Would Trevor Bauer, if we're exclusively talking about the baseball side of things and throwing everything else out, which, by the way, you can't do if you threw everything else. If if the other stuff didn't exist, he would have still been pitching for the Dodgers on that $100 million contract that he got. But it does. That, that stuff is, is out there. But if we throw it out for a moment, would I view Trevor Bauer, the pitcher, as somebody that would be helpful for the St. Louis Cardinals this year, given what they need? Absolutely. He fits exactly what they're looking for. He is a strikeout artist that can go out there and when he's at his best, can legitimately be a number two starter for you. And if you had Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer at the front end of your rotation, purely from a baseball perspective, you would be somebody that I could view as a legitimate contender. But that's not what's happening right now. Henry Ruggs, would he be helpful for the Kansas City Chiefs as a guy that takes the top off of a defense? Yeah, of course be nice to have somebody that goes and is able to to make a play deep for you guess what henry ruggs ain't an option the dude is in jail right now he's in prison for a reason so like and i'm not trying to compare the two because one is still going through court appearances the other is actually in prison but 
man, sometimes we've, we've got to understand that just because one case was settled does not mean that all of this stuff surrounding Trevor Bauer is just thrown out the door and boom, we're ready to go. Yeah, Trevor Bauer is willing to sign for a minimum contract. There's a reason for that. It's because there's not a single team in all of Major League Baseball right now that is willing to offer him anything. Not a Major League deal, not a Minor League deal, not a spring training invitee. It ain't happening because there's too much baggage that comes along with Trevor Bauer right now. If all of these cases are cleared in the next calendar year and we're having the same conversation this time next year, maybe there will be a different response to it by Major League Baseball teams and certainly by me. But that is not the case right now. It's not kink shaming by me. It's nothing like that. There is too much here to touch with any kind of 10-foot pole if you're the St. Louis Cardinals or, in my opinion, any team in Major League Baseball. That's Tanner Hendrickson. He's Bradford Bruns. I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. But next, let's dive into some NFL quick hitters heading into Super Bowl Sunday here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into some NFL quick hitters with Tanner Hendrickson and Bradford Bruns. I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into this Super Bowl, T-Bone. Looking at where we're at, it is now Thursday heading into Super Bowl week. 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. From where we were when championship weekend officially came to an end with the 49ers and Chiefs both advancing, Chiefs convincingly, I would say, relative to the, uh, the score, and the 49ers squeaking by the, those Detroit Lions. How much has your opinion of this game, this matchup, changed in the 13 days, I guess 11 days, since that those games came to a conclusion? Uh, I don't think my opinion of this game has changed. I, I thought since the Monday after or just a couple minutes after that game where we saw San Francisco advance to the Super Bowl, I... I stood pat that I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this game. I, I think San Francisco is, their defense has not been that impressive in the playoffs. Um, they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. If you don't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, you're in for a rough day. And I think the Kansas City defense is so good that it can, and I don't think it'll stop the 49ers, but it can slow down the 49ers enough to where I think we see a low scoring Kansas City Chiefs win, and I've believed that since we found out what the matchup was. I've had additional time to actually allow that confidence in Kansas City to grow, and a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, Bradford, that's what I'm talking that, about. Hey, 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 a lot of it is due, Tanner, to what you said about the San Francisco defense. The more you actually dig into the film, the more you evaluate how this unit performed against, yes, most recently, Green Bay specifically, and then the following weekend, you realize there really are holes galore. And aside from Bosa, aside from the edge rush that you do get at times, I just don't know if the consistent pressure is going to be there against a markedly improved Kansas City O-line, regardless of whether Tooney, the long shot possibility to play suits up that line is actually developing bk more cohesiveness during this playoff stretch yeah i've i've been obviously incredibly impressed by what the chiefs have done so far in the postseason this is one of those stats that i wanted to throw out there the defense is allowing 13.7 points per game in this year's postseason that is the fourth lowest in a postseason the teams that are ahead of them the 2000 ravens you may remember them i view them as the best defense of my generation the 2002 Buccaneers, the Tampa 2 defense that became uh, so well-known. Dexter Jackson, I think, won the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, for that CB. Team. Yeah. 
And then the 2013 Seahawks, the Legion of Boom defense, those were the defenses that have allowed fewer points per game in a postseason run than what the Chiefs are doing right now. They all, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl in significant margins in those respective seasons. The defense is what gives me confidence. Like, all of the conversations heading into Super Bowl, for the most part, are going to be about Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, these weapons, right? Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco on the Chiefs, and then everything that the 49ers have to offer, all of which is legitimate. I understand why that's going to be the focus of the conversations. I feel like all postseason, and now certainly heading into the Super Bowl, there has been a disrespect that is palpable for this Chiefs defense. I don't think we're giving them the respect that they deserve because nobody's really talking about them in the light of an all-time great defense. Fair, they didn't play that way in the regular season. They were really good, but they weren't an all-time great unit. This postseason, though, against the Miami Dolphins, I understood in the frozen tundra, but then against two of the best offenses in the league with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, arguably the two favorites for MVP this season, they shut them down, and I'm supposed to sit here and be like, yeah, it's fine. The 49ers with Brock Purdy, that'll be the team that shreds them apart. Nah, man, the Chiefs' defense is what gives me confidence heading into this week's Super Bowl matchup, personally. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show today as we go through some NFL quick hitters. Guys, when you look at the person that has the most to lose in this Super Bowl, we'll talk about most to gain later on in the show. Who is the person, player, coach, etc., that is the most to lose based on the uh, the results of this year's Super Bowl? It, is it odd if I say Kyle Shanahan? Because I, no. I think he's still looking to be that guy that can get the big game, get the big Super Bowl win under his belt. And, like, the more I've thought about it, because originally I had the thought of, like, man, he just can't coach up in the big game, you know, because he's lost, he lost to the Chiefs last time around. He was the offensive coordinator when the Falcons had that epic collapse in the Super Bowl. But, man, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, you know what? That that just happened. He's a great head coach, and at some point he's going to get the Super Bowl. Problem is, though, if he loses again, he's going to have kind of that moniker that Andy Reid had early on when he was with Philadelphia to where it was, yeah, that's a great head coach, but he sometimes makes blunders, and he's never going to be able to get you to that Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl for you. I think it's Kyle Shanahan, because otherwise, like, I don't, I'm not sure there's another guy I look at that has a ton to lose outside the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm fluctuating between Shanahan, and this is not going to be a very popular verdict, but I do think that there is an extraordinary amount of pressure on Christian McCaffrey because everybody is expecting him to have a Herculean game just to be able, I think, to have the 49ers in contention in this contest. And if you want to put yourself, I think, really elevate yourself into the realm of all time backs, in my opinion, and you are able to put that out there, that sort of performance for yourself as a runner. If you are the bulldozer to actually guide your 49ers past the Chiefs, a great Chiefs defense at that, it could be something that cements your profile among all NFL running bats for all eternity. So I'm interested to see how he responds to the challenge. If he wins the Super Bowl MVP, which I think is in play, he would be the first running back to do so since Terrell Davis. Back in 1990, it's been 25 years since wow. we've seen a running back win the Super Bowl MVP. Terrell Davis basically got into the Hall of Fame because of that, because he was the MVP of a Super Bowl, and because he had like a five-year stretch of being excellent. And that was it. It was just a, it's like a comma going across. The, that was it for Terrell Davis. Christian McCaffrey has been excellent since the moment that he walked through the door with the Carolina Panthers. And for him to be able to then go out there and dominate in a Super Bowl, yeah, it changes things for him. I don't know that he has anything to lose, but to, to gain, I think he certainly would be on that list in my mind. Like, this could 
this could be the moment where we look back on the Super Bowl and say Christian McCaffrey just secured a spot in Canton. It defines your legacy. Sure, uh, but I don't think it. I don't think it defines it negatively. Right. I don't think there's any way where it, it goes into the opposite side of things. I think the only one that really has something to lose in this game is Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Am I off here? Like, what's going to change in how we view Andy Reid if he loses in this game? Nothing. What's going to change for Steve Spagnuolo? Nothing. What's going to change for like Brock Purdy. Steve Wilkes? Nothing. Brock Purdy. I, I. We all view him as like a mediocre middle of the pack but good enough to get you there if you got the weapons type of a quarterback i'm not going to change my view of any of the weapons if they don't end up winning this game for either team frankly there's a lot of people that have something to gain i think chris jones could secure his spot in the hall of fame with some with a win in this one i don't know that there's very many people it's it's strange it's a weird place to be in because normally you can have that negative side of things but i think the only one with significant loss here is kyle shanahan because if you're the guy that blows the 28 to 3 lead in a Super Bowl, and then you end up blowing the 2019 Super Bowl as well, which they had a 95% chance to win at one point against the Chiefs in the second half, and then you also lose another one to the same team that you blew the lead to the last time around, dude, that's tough to come back from. Like, he could still be back here a year, two years, three years from now. It's possible, but. I think his legacy has the most to lose, and I don't think there's any close second going into this year's yeah. Super Bowl, personally. And I I think he's too good. Like, if he does lose this one, I think he's too good of a head coach to, A, not get back to another Super Bowl, but, B, let alone not just win one. But, like, football's weird. Like, we've talked about it. Like, when you think there's a window for a team, how quickly that can come crashing down. So that that's why I feel like he's the one that is under the most pressure to win this because, in theory, yeah, I, I think he'll get back to another Super Bowl. But would it shock me if I never saw Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers in a Super Bowl again? No, football's weird. Injuries happen. <laughs> Guys age a lot quicker than this sport than any other sport. And, be, and beyond the feel-good aspect of it all, too, I think Trent Williams and the Niners as well, somebody who could add to that profile and really cement his standing, yep. too, with a dominant performance. Have you guys started looking at props or anything for the Super Bowl? You know it. No. Not, I'm not going to lie. I really have not been looking much at the uh, prop side of things. Really? Yeah, I've, I've just kind of said, you somebody, like, like, when you sit down to do so, if you do so this year, are you somebody that's going to look at, like, the over-unders for yardage and, like, the interception totals? Or are you somebody that's like, hey, the over-under for the national anthem. That's definitely not me. The uh, post-game celebration Gatorade shower. What color is the Gatorade going to be? Because there's a wide spectrum of offerings that are available for you. I think there's a, there's a prop bet on some places of the boots that uh what's her face gonna be wearing t-swift uh, reba no. <laughs> reba there's oh. a there's a prop bet on what reba's boot color will be heading into this one there's there's a lot of different options available yeah i haven't sat down and looked at prop bets yet i know there was one that i was considering and i felt like i've been in illinois since the super bowl like last weekend <laughs> i was in illinois and i meant to go put a bet down and completely forgot I, I know i like travis kelsey for a touchdown and i like him over his receiving yards that was like the only one though that i really said okay this is what i'm guaranteed right now what i'm gonna lock in at otherwise all i've really known is like okay i like the chiefs on the money line and i like the under i haven't really dove completely and trust me there's gonna be a 10 leg parlay in my future i, I just that. haven't looked at it just yet guys let me give you a window into the setup okay you've got multiple poster boards at the crib you have player and team centric props and then you've got all the ancillary stuff you've got to take care of the daughters make it fun for them as well and then give me the players coaches everything i'm all in i love it i love it i'm sure there will be some props out there of like how many times will taylor swift be shown if assuming she's at the super bowl i think we all are weren't assuming you, at this point that she will be there weren't you betting on uh 
if he proposes to T-Swift? I'm not betting on it, but I'm sure it'll be available somewhere. Oh, I know it's available. I yeah. thought you were all in on the yes. I think it was like plus no, 600. No, it seems early. seems early now. Yeah. I think he will propose at some point. Those two crazy kids are definitely going to get married, but I don't know when that will actually take place. I, Stager field. I don't think it'll happen at the Super Bowl, it, but if it did, it would be on the, on the field. He's not doing that on the stage. He'll do that on the field. <laughs> that would be epic. She, did, it's though. too public for her to do that on the stage. That's, that's very much not in Taylor Swift's lane couple of things that I do like heading into this one. Um, largest lead of the game under 14 and a half points. I don't think either team gets out to a significant lead in this one. So I'll take the under on that. Um, will there be a scoreless quarter? Yes is plus 360. So you bet 100 bucks, you win 360. I think at some point there will be a quarter that goes scoreless. We know the Chiefs and their second half struggles. Maybe it's the third quarter come out and either team scores there. Uh, the either team to score a touchdown on the opening drive yes is plus money the chiefs and the 49ers who have andy reed and kyle shanahan two of the best offensive minds of this yeah. generation that one. are scripting out their first 15. yeah i think one of them will probably score on their opening drives that one is the one that i like as well those are just a few of the props that i've been looking into that i uh i've got on my list let's put it that way i do like that one on the first if somebody scores on the first their first drive between the Chiefs and 49ers, because you're right, two great offensive minds. And the team that I – like, if you could even bet on, like, the team to do it, I'd bet on the Chiefs to do it because I we've talked about it. The Chiefs' defense is so good. I could see where they can handle the scripts from San Francisco. Man, I don't know about that San Francisco defense. I could see where it takes them maybe a quarter, quarter and a half to kind of adjust to figure out how to slow down Mahomes. I'm not sure I really see that for the Kansas City defense, I think they'll be locked in right off the bat. Boy, given Moody's struggles, too, Shanahan may treat it in a Campbell-like way. Who knows right. with the kicker? <laughs> Coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, who are the Cardinals with the widest range of outcomes heading into 2024? I feel like we kind of know what to expect out of somebody like a Wilson Contreras or a Miles Michaelis. But who are the guys that have the biggest outcomes, the, the widest range of outcomes heading into this upcoming season? Maybe you would call them X-Factors. We'll get into that coming up in about 10 minutes. But coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line for questions and answers. Let's start with this from the 618. Guys, what percentage of people watching the game do you think will have at least one bet placed on a betting site? I think probably lower than we would expect just because there's such an astronomical number of people that are watching the Super Bowl. But that being said, like if we're including not just betting sites, like if you the Circus Sports app, right? You go over to Illinois, you place your your bets that way. If we're including like squares, I think it's pretty significant in terms of the number of people. Or if you like, you'll go over to a a watch party with your buddies, and there's like a lot of people will do this. They've got a sheet where you pay twenty bucks, and the person that gets the most props correct or the closest yeah. to the pin, that person ends up taking home the pot. Like that. Those kinds of things, I think it's a pretty good mark, like 50% maybe. But if we're not including that other stuff, if we're just going on a, a betting site, what do you think, like 10%? Oh, you think it's 20%? that low? I was seeing like 25, 30. Ooh. Formally, I don't know. Because like, what, what here, how many people do we think watch the Super Bowl? 100 million? 100 mil? At least. Um, I'm trying to figure out like what would be like 30% of that. I got to count my zeros. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's pretty good quick yeah. math there. There you go. 115 million people watched last year. So if we just make it easy math, let's say 100 million people are watching. You think 
50 million people are placing bets? Like 25 million people are placing bets? I don't know. Seems high. Yeah, you're probably right. I guess it probably percentage. is lower than. Actually, like 10 to 10 to 15 million people placing a bet on this year's Super Bowl feels right to me. I could be wrong on that by a wide margin. We'll, we'll ask later on today. Uh, we're going to talk to Derek Stevens, who's the owner and operator of Circus Sports out in Vegas. Like, what is the quantity of bets that they're taking on a, on a game like the Super Bowl? This is the biggest sports betting weekend of the year. What is this kind of handle for them? So yeah. I'm curious and to hear what it is. The reason that my number probably got skewed in my head was I'm thinking, because I've seen the like tweets that go out from people that run these sports books that, you know, hey, this, this Super Bowl, we generated X amount of revenue here. But what I got to remember is that's not one person putting in yeah. a single bet. A lot of people, this guy included, puts down a parlay, puts down a bet on like Super Bowl MVP, puts down like some of those special ones that you brought up about, you know, I'm betting no on T-Swift getting proposed to by Travis Kelsey. So according to a survey last year that took place around the Super Bowl, about 10% of people responded that they would be placing a bet <laughs> on the Super Bowl. Uh, there were 16 billion dollars worth of bets that were placed last year at the super bowl 16 billion with a b dollar that's insane and it just keeps wow. going up and up and up with each passing super bowl all right three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line from the 636 guys when do you think that these remaining baseball free agents will sign do you think it'll go into spring training do you think we will be waiting into spring training to see jordan montgomery and blake snell let's talk about those two first to sign I think one of them is going to wait till spring. I don't really have a good feel for who that will be. I think Snell. Problem for Snell is like even so. The reason I said that is because I think a lot of teams will go. All right, we'll go into spring with our pitching, and then as we know, somebody always reports to camp and doesn't have an elbow. Then somebody's going to pivot and go to one of those guys. But I, Snell doesn't feel like he's going to drop his market down enough to where I don't know if he would be the guy. I think it's more of Monty to where Monty all of a sudden takes a. Someone would jump to him for like a five-year deal because they're one of the, they're dealing with a pitching injury. I think Snell maybe signs before, and I think he's going to be an angel, is my guess. I like that. Hmm. That feels right. Just on a hunch, I think that Snell feels like more of that candidate to wait actually a week or so into spring trading. Who knows ultimately where he's going to line up, but there just seems to be more of that certainty factor with Monty. So when do the Rangers report to spring trading? Anybody know? Off I the think top everybody's reporting within the next week. Yeah. Okay, so. so you know what? The next the few days. The first spring training game is February 22nd. Next so we're two weeks away from the first spring training games being yes. played. In the next few days, they'll get it done. I feel like this is going to go into the first portion of spring. Like I don't, I don't think they'll sign after games are played. I think you'll you'll see them in camp before the end of the month. But I could see Blake Snell waiting until February 18th ish, like next weekend, not this weekend with Super Bowl, but the following weekend. And I could see sometime. Maybe Blake Snell even waits a little longer than that. Maybe he waits into spring training games, but maybe Montgomery is next weekend, something like that. Where do you think Montgomery lands? I've heard, like, nothing about him I, in terms of his market. Nothing. It, it's so odd because I th I think he so desperately wants to be with the Rangers. Chris Young so desperately wants him back, and ownership's going, we don't have a TV deal. No. Yeah. Um, I feel like Boston, but Boston's, like, been saying all along, like, There's no, no, rumors now that they want Kimley Jansen to be traded by the yeah. start of the season. <laughs> I don't know where he's gonna go. Yankees? Will the Yankees instead of remember they had an offer out to Blake Snell? And Snell went, no, you got to bring it up like another hundred mil, yep. and he and they went, whoo, no thanks. Um, I, maybe he goes to New York. That would be my best guess. I think he wants to be out on the East Coast because his wife's doing um, nursing school in Boston. Has a residency in Boston. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and she's got a residency in Boston. So I think he wants to be out east. So I'll say I'll go Yankees for Montgomery. I could see it. 
I think Montgomery ends up back in Texas. I don't know how they get it done, what the deal is, but I think he ends up back in Texas. I think Blake Snell ends up in San Francisco. And I think they also sign Matt Chapman. And then I think Bellinger ends up in Chicago. I can't believe that's not done. Because you yeah. desperately need names, if nothing else, in Frisco. You've yeah, San Francisco somebody. has to sign them. They've got to get at least one of these four signed, and I think probably two. Like, if Bellinger's willing to take their money, they should just give Bellinger the money. I, it sounds crazy, but I think he's got to be the guy. Bellinger, by the way, we haven't talked a lot about him because he was never a real option for the Cardinals. He's one of the most interesting <laughs> free agents that I can remember. Yeah. I have no idea what he's going to be like on a long-term deal. He apparently wants a 10-year, $200 million contract or more. I would not pay that. I would not give that to him. But if you're somebody like the Cubs or the Giants, what's your alternative? Yeah. I, I think he's going to be probably halfway through spring before he signs. It's possible. I, and I think he may end up having to do what – I don't think it'll be the exact deal, but what Cray did originally with Minnesota, which was – Hey, there wasn't a ton of interest because there was a lot of concerns with Correa's, I think it was his ankle, if I remember correctly. With Bellinger, it's a lot of concerns of like, hey, that was just a, a one-off. It's hard to get a read for him. To where I could see him signing like a three, four-year deal that's heavy in AAV and has an opt-out after like year one. If you were the Cardinals and you could get one of these three signed, Snell at a $40 million one-year contract, Montgomery at a $30 million one-year contract, or Bellinger on a $25 million one-year contract, which would you most want? It would be Snell. Really? Because he, my concern with Snell the is Cardinals the Cardinals wouldn't term. do any of those three. I want to make that no. clear on the front end, no. but just out of curiosity. Um, I would do Snell because I have concern about him long-term because of the command issue. Is it crazy issue. to say I would take Bellinger? Just put him in center field and say, let's go? And I'll go Monty. <laughs> is that nuts? Like, I'm just problem. adding strength to a strength. Yeah, but the problem is, is, like, you still have a giant hole in your rotation. Sure. You know, like, we're we're yeah. just going to go slug, baby, slug. Look, I love Put slug, Cody baby, Bellinger slug. Put Cody batting, like, seventh in your lineup. Let's go win, baby. Look, I Let's love, go score seven runs a game. I, we'll be the Texas Rangers of last year. We'll figure out the rotation as we go along here. I love slug, baby, slug. They still need pitching, though, to get to a World Series, and I don't care how good the offense is. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to play a game of Beat the Blues. Can you beat the Blues? Today, you guys are going up against Tori Krug. We also have one of you going up against Jordan Bennington. The winner will get a pair of tickets to see Blues versus Islanders coming up on February 22nd and a Tori Krug signed hockey puck. So all of that coming up in 15 minutes will tell you how you can participate coming up next. And in that segment, we're going to talk about the Cardinals with the widest, widest range of outcomes. Cody Bellinger could be that guy. Man, talk about a wide range of outcomes. Who are those guys that are currently on the Cardinals? Talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm just dreaming of Cody Bellinger in a Cardinals lineup over here. I put it together for you, T-Bone. Newbar, yeah. Goldie, Gorman, Arenado, Walker, Bellinger, Contreras, Donovan, Wynn. You're the one that tells me all about, hey, lefty bats, they're important. Slug, baby, slug. You got to have it in the postseason. Man, your eight-hole hitter, Brendan Donovan, you got all those options in there. You got some contact. You got some power. You got some on base. Mason Wynn with the speed at the bottom of your order. Hot damn, dude. That'd be one hell of a lineup. Now, it would never happen. Want it, it, it's not an option. But if you do that now, we could trade Dylan Carlson. We could trade Tommy Edmond. We could trade maybe it's a Thomas to JC. You send all of that down to Miami. Now we've got Jesus Luzardo in the rotation as well. We're cooking with gas, baby. Skips all it takes friend. is them to sign Cody Bellinger. 
to a one-year, like, $30 million I, contract. I I'm sure it. that the Cardinals are in. There's no chance that they would be against this. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know where we're fighting this, like, 25 mil for Cody Bellinger. And, B, I'm not sure we gave up enough for Lazardo. It's fine. Oh, you think DeWitt has 25 mil just sitting in the couch Absolutely. cushions? Man, to be an MLB owner, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. All right, so Cody Bellinger's one of those, like, high upside might be on your bench by the end of the season kind of downside. I don't know that the Cardinals have a ton of those types of players, but T-Bone, when you're thinking about the players on the Cardinals heading into 2024 with the widest range of outcomes, like Dylan Carlson ended up actually being this guy heading into 2023 where the upside is becomes a borderline all-star for you. You've got him in right field starting every day or center field, depending on the situation with Jordan Walker heading into the year. And he hits 270, finishes like 20, 25 home runs, plays borderline gold glove defense, is a really nice player, everyday outfielder for you, no question about it. It ended up, though, where he was a guy you just didn't trust. He, he couldn't be in your lineup on a day-to-day basis. His best option for you this season is probably as a fourth outfielder. So now he's, he's not this player because I don't see the upside in Dylan Carlson the way that maybe there was a year ago. Who for you is the widest range of outcome player heading into this upcoming season? I, I think there are three guys, and you tell me if you think that I'm off on these three. I think number one is Mason Wynn for me because I saw he was outmatched last year, 172 batting average, 29 OPS plus, which is quick math, 71% below league average. Um, I, I think there's a pretty big swing for Mason Wynn. I think we've talked about it in all the prospect write-ups we've seen from Keith Law, who we talked to, Kylie McDaniel, who we talked to, to where if the bat catches up and is major league ready, like, man, he could be like a 270, 280 hitter, has speed, could maybe hit like 10 home runs, 10 to 15, and that's a really good guy to have hitting at the bottom of your order. And then the downside is it's more of what you saw last year where he looks pretty overmatched at the plate, doesn't hit for a ton of power, and you're just basically having him as like a defensive specialist that ends up hitting at the bottom of your order. So I I think he's one of those guys for me. Another one for me, Nolan Gorman. I think Nolan Gorman, if he's healthy, the back is there, and everything kind of clicks together, I think he can be a like 250, 260 hitter and can hit like 40 home runs. Or you could see where he has trouble staying healthy, the back's a major issue. Could I could see him hitting closer to the Mendoza line and strike it out a ton and the power just isn't there. And then the third one for me is a pitcher and it's Miles Michaelis. Okay, let me stop you there. Because that's mine. So you took half the team. So Well there's a I thought those were it's a team on three. Let him cook. I think the guy with the widest range of outcomes heading into twenty twenty four is Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis, let me tell you about his season in twenty twenty two, T Bone. Oh, it was good. Started 32 games for you. He threw 200 innings mm. for you, and he had a 3.2 ERA. Now, his strikeout rate wasn't what anybody would have liked, but I remember hearing Ollie Marmel talking. This is at the second half of the season. He's going up against ace after ace after ace. He had that game in Tampa where he's going up. I think it was Shane McClanahan that was on the opposite side of it. It was like a one nothing game. Cardinals lose, but not because Miles Michaelis wasn't up to the task. He was just he was going up against aces, it felt like, every fifth day. And he was coming out on the wrong side of it. So he finished the season 12 and 13, despite having a 3.2 ERA. If that is the Miles Michaelis that the Cardinals get in 2024, all of the stuff that I've been saying about them not having a number two starter, it's hogwash. It's nonsense. Nobody should even listen to it anymore. I'll be the one that is considered the dumbest guy in the world. Cardinals can come out and laugh at us. I don't know if you saw the other day, but the general manager, Brad Holmes for the Lions, 
he held his end of season press conference and basically called out every person in the media that said that they had a bad draft last year. It was like, you were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. John Mozeliak <laughs> should have one of those press conferences at the end of the year if we all end up being completely wrong about Miles Michaelis. The downside. Let me tell you about Miles Michaelis this season in 2023. I remember it. Once again, 200 innings, a 4.8 ERA. That is a massive swing, dude. He's giving you the innings in both seasons, which is great. You like having that available for you. But when you go from a pitcher that had a 3.2 ERA to a 4.8 ERA, we are talking about the difference between a number two starter and a number four or five starter for you that probably shouldn't be starting in postseason games once you get there. So he, for me, is without question the widest gap between what you could expect, what you hope you get, and what you fear you might end up with. Yeah, and I think it's why he's probably going to be, and we're going to be doing our top 20 Cardinals for the season coming up here pretty shortly. He's probably going to be in my top five or the five most important Cardinals because he's going to have to be the number two because we've talked about Sonny Gray. And look, I think Sonny Gray can be a number one. But as we've talked about as well, Sonny Gray's not a guy that typically is going to give you innings. And if he deals with an injury, guess who all of a sudden not only has to serve as a number two, but has to slide into the number one role. That's Miles Michaelis. And you're right, with the swings and seasons, he's been a number two at times, but he's also been a number four at times. And the Cardinals trying to put all their eggs in the basket of we don't need to go get a number two starter. We don't have to trade for one because we have Miles Michaelis. Whew, I don't know how I feel about that bet because of these big swings of the outcomes that we're talking about. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You guys can always get involved in the YouTube chat over in the graveyard as well. YouTube.com slash 101 ESPN STL is where you go to find us over there. The studio cams are powered by the Air Alliance team. We did get a couple other texts that are interesting here, Bradford. I'm curious your thoughts on this as well. Uh, Steven Matz, somebody threw in as somebody that has a wide range of outcomes. We saw this a year ago, right? Uh, on the plus side, he had, I think, the second-best ERA in the rotation from yeah. last year. On the downside, he was in the bullpen for half of the season. So it could go either way. And by the way, he's not somebody you could really count on as, like, this model of health either. And the other one that a, a number of different uh, texters have brought up is Tommy Edmond, who, depending on what you get with the injury to his wrist and what he brings to you in center field – he really could be a swing player for the Cardinals in 2024 as well. And I think it's as much to do with him as it is what you would have to replace him with. Like you don't have a good second option in center field right now. If Tommy Edmund misses extended period of time next year, it's probably right back to the Dylan Carlson experience. If they don't think Victor Scott is ready. Let's stay in the outfield because I'm going to throw yet another name at you guys. And I'm going to say Lars Newpar. Here's why availability for this Cardinals, this current collection of outfielders it has to be everything. If you want to run primarily with the same group, the same lineup, and not be stagnant every single day, Lars Newtbar is going to have to be a linchpin. In last season, the year before, what we saw from him, the fact of the matter is that you need Lars Newtbar to not only play 130, 140 games. So far, his career high is 111. You need him to be a run producer. You need him to be impactful on the base pass as well. And as much as we love Lars Newtbar here in St. Louis, and we point to the heroics in the WBC. We point to the potential there for production. The bottom line is that so far, we've seen a guy in the low double digits in home runs. We've seen low 40s in run production as well. And Lars Newtbar, for this outfield to be truly great, needs to take that next step. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, no. 
If you want me to be honest with you, like, a, I, he's I a think large Bar lover, though. I think his numbers have been fine. I think his lack of availability is the problem. There you go. So I, I think if if Lars Newtbar, if nothing changes with his production from what it's been the last two years, I wish there was a little more power there. I'm just not sure it's going to come. If he gives you the exact same production and is healthy for 140 games, I think we'll be really happy with what Lars Newbar ends up giving you this season. In the last two years, he had a 785 and a 788 OPS. That's fine. That's really good from a guy that's giving you the kind of defense and base running that Lars Newbar provides for you. And to do it at the age of 24 and 25 years old while you're still under club control for the next, I think it's five years, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat if that ends up being what it is, but it would have to come with 140 games. I think the reason why the the volume stats aren't there, like 14, 14 home runs, 40, 46 RBIs, the reason why those aren't there, A, he's leading off a lot. That's why you're not getting the RBI numbers. And B, he's not playing enough. He's played a total of 225 games over the last two seasons. He's missing a third of those seasons combined. So that that would be what I think needs to change heading into 24 is just the availability. Yeah, and, and the other thing, the, re- the reason I wouldn't throw him in this category is there is one thing that even if he doesn't hit, I know he's going to be good at, and that is getting on base. Because you look at the on-base percentage, 317, 340, 367. <laughs> like, even if he does not end up hitting for average like he did in 2022, you know he's got a great batter's eye and he's going to be able to draw walks. So that's the one thing that for him, even if it was a down year, that's one thing that I don't think would change. When we talk about guys that can like swing back and forth, it is they don't have like one thing they can lean back on. Like if Gorman doesn't hit for power, whoo, oh my goodness, that is going to be a rough ride. We Same for like Mason year, right? Wynn. Was it June where he yeah. had just an, an awful like 148 month. batting average? Like the rest of the year, OPS. though, he was great, but it was yeah. just a terrible June and it totally tore down his numbers as a result. It looked like a worse year than what it actually was uh, for for new or for Gorman. A year ago. All right, coming up in 15 minutes. What matters more in the Super Bowl for you guys? Is it the regular season success, the the 17 games of showing you who somebody is, or are we really, or are we leaning on the three game sample size that we've seen from the other team? We'll get into that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We're gonna take three texts coming up here. Text number 101, 102, and 103. If you are texture number 102, 101, 102, 103, and you say, I can beat the Blues, you're going up against either Tory Krug or Jordan Bennington today in a game of Can You Beat the Blues? The winner will go home with the Tory Krug signed hockey puck and a pair of tickets to see the Blues versus the Islanders on February 22nd. Can You Beat the Blues? Coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for a game of Can You Beat the Blues? T-Bone is on the board today, which means that we are for sure going to be ready to go. There's going to be no mix-ups. This is going to be a smooth operation. If you are new to this, you don't hear our game previously. We have done this for a calendar year now. It is every spring we get an opportunity for you to go up against your St. Louis Blues in what is essentially a game of categories, right? I'm going to give you a category. You name as many different things as you can within a 15-second stretch. We've got Pete, Tony, and Greg today going up against a combination of Tory Krug and Jordan Bennington. The winner will end up getting a pair of tickets to see the Blues versus the Islanders and a Tory Krug signed hockey puck. It is very simple. If you get the category of colors, name as many different colors as you can in 15 seconds. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo. Eh. You get a number, 
You'll see how many Tory Krug or Jordan Bennington got in that same category, and then we'll give you the number that is the point differential, essentially. Whoever's the highest point differential is going home with that pair of tickets to see the Blues and the Tory Krug signed hockey puck. Today, we will begin with Pete. Pete is going up against Tory Krug in a game of Can You Beat the Blues? Pete, appreciate you hopping in, man. You understand the rules of the game today? Yes. How are you feeling confidence-wise going up against Tory Krug, Pete? Well, it depends on what the category is, I guess. That, do you know what? <laughs> That's a really good point by you. All right, Pete, I'm going to give you your category right now. You're going to have 15 seconds to name as many different things within that category as you can. Your category today is princesses. How many different princesses can you name in 15 seconds? On your mark, get set, go. Cinderella, uh, Ariel, uh, Jasmine, uh Snow White, uh, Judas Priest. Uh. <laughs> it's all fun and games until you're on the spot, Pete. It's all fun and games exactly. until you're the one that's in it. Pete got four different princesses. I respect. I respect the uh, the way that he went about it, going the Disney princess route. Old school. You could have gone with you know Princess Diana. You could have gone with some of the you know going over to the Europe side. It is what it is. We'll see what Tori Krug had to say. He's got a daughter at home. How many princesses can Tori Krug name in 15 seconds? Uh, Cinderella, Bella, um, Elsa, Anna. Um, I don't know if Moana's a princess, but we're going to say that. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm blanking out. Five? Yeah, Did he say Belle or Bella? Bella. I, had, I heard Bella. I heard got five for Tory Crew. Bella, well, who's Bella? Bella. Oh. oh, I'm. Oh, do we need to go back to the tape? I'm telling you. If you heard Bella and you heard Bella, I heard Bella. All right, we've got an instant replay. <laughs> uh, Cinderella, Bella. He did. He said Bella. We got to give it a four. Four. That's a zero. That's an even match between Pete and Tory Krug on the princesses. So, Pete, stay on the line. You're still very much alive, depending on what happens with Tony and Greg. All right, Tony, you are also going up against Tory Krug today in a game of Can You Beat the Blues? You understand the, the premise of this, my friend? Yes, sir. And are you confident that you are going to be able to beat Tory Krug today? Do I look nervous? <laughs> well, well played. Well played, Tony. All right. I don't know. I can't see you, Tony. Tony, your category today going up against Tory Krug is places that you would go for a vacation. How many places that you would go for a vacation can you name in 15 seconds? On your mark, get set, go. Florida, Hawaii, Texas, Canada. Boston, New York, Maine, Seattle. Oh, are we giving it to him? It was at the buzzer. Are you guys willing? I'm partial to the Pacific Northwest, but I can't. I'll say, I didn't think he got it off in time. I heard the buzzer. All right, right as he was then doing I got it. seven. Did you guys get seven as well? That's what yeah. I had, seven. All right, so Tony, you got seven. You're feeling pretty good about this, I would imagine. How'd you feel about your performance there? I look a little more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see what Tory Krug can get for places he would go on vacation. Uh, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, San Diego, Florida, South Carolina, um, resorts, beaches, lakes, um, hockey tournaments. <laughs> Those are my vacations. Uh, 
All right, so I got nine there if you want to give it to him. Do you feel like uh, the, the hockey tournaments is... It doesn't matter either way. You got either eight or nine, which means, Tony, unfortunately, you have been eliminated. Pete, still our leader in the clubhouse with a strong even performance against Tory Krug. Next one up, we've got Greg on the line. Greg, you're going to be going up against Jordan Bennington today. He certainly was not oh. nervous playing this game. Are you ready to go, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I just don't want princesses. That was a tough one for Pete. So. <laughs> we, we won't have that one again. Greg, are you confident going up against one of the best goalies in the NHL right now? Oh, man, I'd be hard-pressed to be confident against him right now, but I'll give my best shot at him. Go five-hole here. All right. Greg, your category today, you name as many different things within this as you can in 15 seconds, is board games. Name as many board games as you can in 15 seconds. On your mark, get set, go. Uh, True Pursuit, Monopoly, uh, Life, um, what else? Um, uh, Battleship, uh, uh, Risk, um, Bongo, I don't, um, what categories, uh, I don't, yep, okay. <laughs> six spot? I got a six. I say, I, what is what is Boggle? I don't know that one. I don't know. I'm not familiar with it's it. A, like words and yeah. yeah. I don't know. Th- that's got Brad. Bradford <laughs> got excited. You know it's about it's words when game. Bradford got real excited to talk about it after he mentioned it. Greg, I'm not rooting for you at all. At all. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry. All I'm right. more video games than board games. So sorry. It's right. a pretty pretty solid performance. Six there. is solid. Let's see if Jordan Bennington knows his board games. Uh, sorry. Guess who? Chess. Uh, is that a board game? Uh, I'm not that good on board games. Uh, All right, we got a winner, Greg, with a complete landslide <laughs> victory against Jordan Bennington, a plus three. Jordan Bennington did not know his board games, and you can indeed, sir, beat the Blues. Congratulations. You're going home with a pair of tickets to see the Blues versus the Islanders and a Tory Krug signed hockey puck today. Thanks, guys. That's amazing. I had no uh, no confidence in myself, but it came out good, so I'm it, glad. So. You found a way to get there. That's typically what <laughs> happens it, with the it. fight or the gauntlet. Every, <laughs> nobody has any confidence, but you find a way to come out victorious. Greg, stay on the line. We'll get your information. We'll be able to get you signed up for those tickets in the Tory Krug signed hockey puck. If you want your opportunity to play Can You Beat the Blues, your next chance to do so will be next Thursday here on BK and Ferrario, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Again, congratulations to Greg on the Tory Krug signed hockey puck and the pair of tickets to see the blues versus the islanders coming up next what matters more heading into the super bowl the 17 game regular season success or showing you can take your game to another level in the three playoff games that you participated in so far we'll discuss it and what it means for this year's super bowl coming up next you're on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn the breakdown of this game going into the Super Bowl is pretty simple. One of these teams was excellent all year. I think from week one, we all knew, okay, the 49ers are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And the other took 17 weeks to figure its stuff out and then finally found out who they were heading into the postseason. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Bradford Bruns, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. T-Bone, I think one of the biggest storylines heading into Super Bowl Sunday is what matters more? Is it the regular season sustained success that shows, okay, this team 
yeah, they're they're a real contender. That's who the 49ers were all year long from start to finish. And a couple of hiccups here or there, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but for the vast majority of the year, they were the number one team in everybody's power rankings. Meanwhile, the Chiefs repeatedly shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. And then once we got to the playoffs, it was like, oh, this is the team that we were waiting for. We all thought they could get here. We just didn't assume that it would take them 17 weeks to do so. And now the defense looks like arguably one of the best that we've seen in the playoffs in the last 20 years. The offense has come together where it's not dominant, but they do just enough to be able to get by offensively. Kelsey looks like himself again. Mahomes has taken his game to a whole nother level. For you, as you head into the Super Bowl T-Bone, which of those profiles do you trust more? The team that appears to have figured it out or the team that all regular season was excellent, but lately maybe isn't playing their best? So I, I would go with the team that is figured it out now in the postseason. Though the regular season, totally with you, not at one point did I ever look at the Chiefs and go, that was a Super Bowl contender. I would say they were just because they had Patrick Mahomes, but I didn't feel great about saying it. In fact, I picked against them in their game against Buffalo and in their game against Baltimore because I didn't think that they could f- continue with the flipping of the switch that they have. But I, I would say that team because you go into a Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year, and you're playing with confidence. You're playing with this kind of swagger. And and I think some of their struggles, like the Travis Kelsey struggle, for example, I think that can just be kind of pointed to now and say, oh, yeah, he must have been hurt. Like yep. He got that week off in week 17, and now he's back to prime Travis Kelsey. So I would say it's that team because when you're a team that goes into the playoffs, no matter what you did in the regular season, and I think this is the case for every sport, if you go into the postseason and you're kind of scuffling or you scuffle from the get-go in the postseason – you kind of start to play on kind of pins and needles, right? You kind of look at that team and you kind of go, oh, we're not playing our best football. Yeah, we got to play the biggest game of the year today. I I think those teams kind of feel the pressure. And I think if, like, for example, Kansas City comes out and punches the 49ers in the face and scores like 10 points on their first two drives, I think San Francisco defense is going to go, holy crap, what do we do now? (laughs) We've been struggling in the playoffs, and now we're going up against the best quarterback in the league, and they've just scored on their first two drives. So I I would take the side of, I do think the regular season matters, but I would rather bet on the team that's playing well in the postseason compared to the team that's been scuffling down the stretch. Ten times out of ten, I'm going with the team that is ascending or reaching its peak at the right time in the postseason. And this would be different, I think, guys, if we had received a different picture from San Francisco in either of its previous two playoff games. You talk about getting punched in the mouth if that happens on Sunday again, courtesy of the Chiefs to the 49ers. Well, in the 49ers' two playoff contests so far, you think about the Green Bay game. Packers came out, hair on fire. You needed a second-half rejuvenation, basically, to get by in that game. And then the following week against Detroit, the Lions come out put the pedal to the metal. And once again, you need to have that renaissance in the second half to be able to persevere. If I were to argue the other side, though, I would say that maybe that's a skill that they have. I mean, you look back at the last time that the Chiefs got to the Super Bowl, they got down big against both Houston and Tennessee before coming back in both of those games and beating the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Hell, they got down against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. All three games in which they played in the postseason Get down early, find a way to battle back. They find a way to win all three games on their route to a Super Bowl in 2020, or 2019. But you had Could, Patrick Mahomes. Sure, but <laughs> couldn't I argue that because of the weapons around Brock Purdy? Like, he led the league this year in yards per attempt. If I just stripped the name and I said, and listen, you guys know where I stand on Brock Purdy. I'm not the one that's going to sit up here and argue like he's the top five quarterback in the league. I don't believe that. 
but because of the surrounding supporting cast, there's a difference between evaluating the player big picture and evaluating the player within his current situation. Brock Purdy in this situation is a top five quarterback. That's not because he himself is that guy, but when you've got Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle to throw to and a really solid offensive line, and oh, by the way, Kyle Shanahan drawing things up, he's been this year a top five quarterback in the NFL. So to your point, Bradford, I could argue that this is a skill that they now have. This is something that despite getting punched in the face in each of their first two postseason games, they found a way to battle back for the first time in the Kyle Shanahan era. They had never done what they have done in each of the past two weeks. So isn't that potentially something that you could argue as a positive for this team? That's a good point. But at the same time, I wouldn't rather, in a sense, be automatically playing from behind. You do that against Kansas City, you're going to get a vastly different result. That's my point. Yeah, I though I do say there is some skill to it, it it's it's playing a very risky game. Yeah. It, it, I, I would say, like, if you're a team that constantly does that, I'm not going to be picking you for the long run and for a team that's going to win a championship because – you can do that against a, a Jared Goff-led Lions team. You you can. I, I don't trust Jared Goff to when the moment is the biggest to make that necessary play. And I didn't think he played bad in that game. You know, when you play the Green Bay Packers, I, I could see where you could say, okay, we can come back and beat Jordan Love and the Packers. Going up against the greatest quarterback in the league right now and Patrick Mahomes, you fall behind, they're not going to lift their foot off the gas pedal. Andy Reid knows better. Andy Reid is going to make sure, as Army would say, they're going to jab the knife through the throat and kill you. So I, I don't I, – I think it is a skill. You have to have that. You have to have that willingness to be able to fight back in games. But if that's what you kind of have to rely on, that that's a major concern for your team, I think, when you're going for a championship. And for what it's worth, you guys know where I come out on this. I, I've been picking the Chiefs all week. I think that they are the better team heading into the Super Bowl. And the reason why is because they have the better quarterback. I don't think that's in dispute by anybody. In my opinion, they have a better coach. I could understand somebody that would go with Kyle Shanahan. I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a top five coach in the league. I just personally would go Andy Reid, given the longevity of it. And then I think they have the better defense. And I think we've seen that prove playing out over the course of this postseason. And that's really where the difference between these two teams shines in terms of the playoff versus regular season success. If you just look purely at the regular season numbers for the 49ers, they were third in the league in points per game allowed. Pretty damn good. 17 and a half points per game allowed on the season. The Chiefs were second at roughly 17.3. So essentially the same over the course of the regular season. As I've watched these defenses in the postseason, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I don't feel like they're close. Night and day. I feel like one of them has a a liability defensively with San Francisco. And the other has a team that has been, I mean, largely driven by the success of the defense on the Chiefs side of things. So the Chiefs have the better coach, the better quarterback, the better defense. When I look at recent Super Bowl history, man, there's not a whole lot of teams that came into the game with those three things and left losing the game. And Tanner, for me, the difference has been the way that the Chiefs have been able to hem in the multi-dimensional threats. I'm not going to sit here and act as if Jordan Walker, or Jordan Love, excuse me, I've got Jordan Walker on the brain today. Jordan Love is some sort of individual who's just flushed out of the pocket and he's extremely adept in that regard. No, but he's mobile, right? Jared Goff, on the other hand, you know what you're going to get. Whereas Kansas City, schematically, from Steve Spagnolo on down through the group on the field, not only took down, but completely neutralized for long stretches. Maybe not Josh Allen, but Lamar Jackson made him a shell of what he was in the regular season. Talent matters. Yeah, I I, I think right now, I think 
it is night and day when you watch these teams play. And, and I think you're right, BK, of who do I think has the better head coach? I would give the slight advantage to Reed, slide it, not the slight advantage, a big advantage to Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And I would give the advantage to the Chiefs defense. Not often do you see that team end up losing a Super Bowl. Because, one, you have to have a great quarterback to do it. Two, you got to have a great head coach. And three, and I said this, and this is why I was so big on like Cleveland going into the playoffs, was if you have a great defense, they can buy the offense time to get things going. And I, I think you've seen that throughout the season kind of for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why they kind of hung around in a lot of games. The defense would slow down the opponent, allow Mahomes some time to try and get things figured out. And I think that is so crucial because if you have a defense that's given up points, like we've seen San Francisco in the playoffs, what happens? The offense has to be ready to go from the get-go. They cannot have a quarter, quarter and a half where they're down trying to figure out what adjustments they need to make. And that's why I, I think it is night and day between these defenses and that the Chiefs have the better defense, better quarterback, and the better head coach. He's Tanner Hendrickson. That is Bradford Bruns, and I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll get more into our Super Bowl breakdown coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, including a conversation with Derek Stevens from the Vegas perspective. He is the owner and operator of Circa Sports in Las Vegas. Want to get his thoughts on the movement that we've seen within the line this week. What is the quantity of bets that they're uh, expecting to take place in Vegas? And What's it like to have a Super Bowl in Las Vegas? If you told me 10 years ago that this would be taking place with the NFL, I would have called you absolutely bat bleep insane. At the time, they were keeping uh, Tony Romo away from a Vegas convention for fantasy football. And now, a decade later, we've got the Super Bowl in Las Vegas with a team based out of Las Vegas. So we'll get into all of that with Derek Stevens of Circus Sports in Las Vegas coming up here in about 10 minutes. Coming up next, though, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer. T-Bone, do you do you know if people still use business cards? Is that something that we're still doing in 2024? Has that been kind of pushed to the the background now that we have the ability to just send a text to somebody? Yeah, I, I have you think had anybody people... give you a business card recently? No, but I see them. Like okay. I haven't been given one, but I do see them kind of sitting around. You know, it's funny. First time when I came and interviewed here at 101 to be a part timer in February 2020. You know who I got a business card from? Alex Ferrario. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. He, he had a business, a business card. card? <laughs> I talked to him after going on a... Was it a pest a... control business card? No, or no, a it was a 101 ESPN, ESPN business card. One. Do we still do business cards here? No? Okay. I don't, if we do, I I'm I can't behind. imagine the company is paying for those anymore. No, I had... I don't know if I still have it. I'm sure I don't have it, but I'll never forget because I remember I interviewed with our program director, Tommy. I was with our executive producer, Mike Ryder, and I was walking around. He said, oh, hey, this is Alex Ferrario. Here's the Blues pre- and post-game host. I got to go do amazing. something. Talk with him, and I will never forget him going, if you got any questions, here's my business card. Feel free to reach out. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line. Somebody said, I use business card, but it's got a QR code on it instead of all of the information. That makes sense. Yeah. Like instead of having the information on it, you use your phone, do the QR code, and then boom, you send them to whatever the link is for all of the stuff that you do, right? Whatever the business is that you're involved with. That makes a lot of sense to me. The reason why I bring this up, T-Bone, is because there's a man out in Calgary, Calgary, Canada, as we all know, who decided to take his business to the next level. All right. He's going to do so with not only a business card, but a free sample of his product. And he was going to do this right outside of a casino. 
it's all makes a lot of sense to me, right? You're going to have an opportunity to really show what you have as, as a company. Unfortunately, he was doing so with uh, his drug dealing business by handing oh, out free samples of his cocaine outside of the local casino. This was brought to, attention, to the attention of the Calgary Police Department. He has now been put into prison <laughs> because he's been charged well, because he had 60 grams of cocaine portioned oh. into individual packages that on a digital scale was roughly $1,300. So, wow. Uh, yeah. oh. Not what you're and, looking for. He's going to be in court. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to watch the big game. Well, you're probably right. Probably not the business adventure that you should be making business cards for. Now, if you're the Blues Premium Postgame host... That's when you need a business card. Of course. Always. Always got to have the business cards ready to go when you're the one that is the pre and post and intermission host for your St. Louis Blues. Right here on the home of the Blues, 101 ESPN exactly. Blues back in action this weekend on Saturday afternoon against the Buffalo Sabres. And on Sunday, they play early as well before Super Bowl Sunday. Coming up next, Derek Stevens is going to join the show. He's the owner and operator of Circus Sports out in Las Vegas. Want to get his thoughts on this game heading into Sunday? What's he seen from the line movement? What kind of prop bets would he most be looking to target? We'll talk about all of it with Derek Stevens of Circus Sports next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Derek Stevens. He's the owner and CEO of Circa Sports out in Las Vegas. T-Bone, last year for March Madness, I went out to Las Vegas. My buddy was having his bachelor party out there. We decided to go to Circa Swim. It was an unbelievable experience, and I'm excited to talk to Derek Stevens heading into this year's Super Bowl. Derek, we appreciate the time, man. Let's start with the obvious. When you look at the way that this line has moved from the end of championship weekend to where we are today is there anything that stood out to you in terms of that movement we'll try to get Derek back on the line see if we can get a better connection with him thought we had him on the line appears that we do not t-bone when you look at the the line and where it's at today compared to where it was at the end of uh championship weekend i think it was like minus one to open up it's moved a little bit it moved to minus two and a half in favor of the 49ers at the beginning of the week it's dropped down in some places to two uh for the 49ers now does, does this surprise you at all in terms of the way that this has moved um a little a little bit i i, I thought for sure that there'd be a little a little bit more movement actually in favor of kansas city and i oh, haven't really? seen, I, yeah i thought there would be and you haven't really seen that as much as I was expecting because we talked about it. I feel like they're the trendy pick, and it hasn't moved as much as I thought it would. I could be wrong on this. I feel like this is a very pros versus Joes type of a Super Bowl where we're seeing a lot of the people that do like the power rankings and stuff very much in favor of the 49ers because of their regular season success, and then the Chiefs, Joes, are seeing all of what they've done in the postseason. We'll get Derek's perspective. He's the real pro on this. The owner and CEO of Circa Sports out in Las Vegas. Derek, we were just talking about the movement of the line going a little bit more in favor of the 49ers than some expected and now dropping back down a bit anything surprising in the way that that line has moved to you no you know when we posted it we opened at two and a half it immediately got bet down to a one wow so it was all it was all kansas city money early and then it got bet bet back up to a two so we've been sitting at a two now for about six straight days and we've been getting pretty good two-way action um, we really hadn't moved the line. We were at two and forty-seven and a half for about six days, and then uh, and then what happened uh, uh, late last night 
we saw some over money come in. We bumped it to 48, and that didn't last long. Pros came in and just beat that thing right back to 47 and a half. So uh, we're still we're still at two at 47 and a half. When you look at the way that this game gets bet compared to basically any other event, Derek, what's the quantity look like for a place like Circo? What's the quantity of bets look like now compared to, you know, March Madness or some of the other big events that you guys have? Well, a single game on a single game, Super Bowl is the uh, is the most wagered game um, from an event. Though March Madness is uh, as you know really really took over. Uh, March Madness is, is is number one. It's been like that for uh, I could say I'd say a good uh, 12, 13 years now. So March Madness week is the is the most wagered like week or event. Um, when it comes to Super Bowl this year, though, I think you know you're going to see records across the country. Uh, you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see uh, a lot of big bets for us for circus sports. We're excited because this is our first year that circus sports is actually up in the state of Illinois. So we're gonna have a, a lot of handle on circus sports Illinois. Um, and I know you've got we've got a decent amount of Illinois listeners here. So Absolutely. so uh, so for us for us we're very excited about it. For people that are going over to Illinois, they're crossing the river from the Missouri side, or they they live on the Illinois side. Are, do you guys tend to see more of the bets on the line, the over, the totals, or or do you get for something like the Super Bowl more of those prop bets than you do the actual game bets? Yeah, you know, I think that's one thing that's continued to change is is prop bets are becoming more and more prolific. People just love betting the props. We will write more tickets on prop bets. Then we will on on the game, uh, the side, the total, that type of thing. But the money will be more on the game and the total. Um, when you look at like the prop, um, circus circus sports developed something called circus squares, and and I think you know everybody knows how to play or how you play squares if you go to a party or something like that. Well, what we did is we developed a concept where instead of just being given your numbers, you actually get to go and you can you can bet the numbers you want. So if you want to have a three or a seven or a zero or something like that, odds are different on every combination. Yeah. So for us, Circus Squares is going to be the number one prop by a long shot. And and again, this is the first time you can uh, you can bet squares in uh, in uh, in the state of Illinois. So for us, we're, we're pretty excited about seeing how many uh, how many square tickets uh, end up getting sold. And Derek, you mentioned these player prop bets. What are the ones that you're seeing a lot of people putting bets on? What are the most popular ones that you're seeing it's so gotta far? It's got to be Kelsey. It's got to be everything's coming in on Kelsey, Derek. I, I can tell you right now, if Travis Kelsey scores two touchdowns, has 11 receptions, and uh, goes over 100 yards and wins the MVP, um, you're going to have a handful of sports books shutting down. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's all Kelsey, 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 Kelsey. What is the, other than Kelsey, what's worst case scenario for sports books, sports books heading into this Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, right now, right now, game wise, I would say you know when I talk to uh, a couple of different sports book operators, it seems like everybody's getting some pretty good two way action. No one's too long uh, one side or one total, uh, but it's 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 the prop scenario. Just because props are becoming more and more important, uh, you know, the public is generally going to be on any prop um, that's over 
and uh, you've got a lot of the sharps kind of coming back the other way, betting them all under. So that's kind of how we have to get the two-way action. There's just not a lot of people out there that are going to go to a Super Bowl party and they're going to bet, oh, I want Kelsey under three receptions, under under 20 yards. You, know, you just don't have regular people that are going out to do that. So it really comes down to, you know, you get 100 like positive Kelsey bets and you need one sharp to go the other way to offset it. That's about the only way to do it. We're talking to Derek Stevens. He's the owner and CEO of Circa Sports in Las Vegas. We've been telling you all about the squares that they've got available for you, the Circa Sports Illinois, the app that you got to be uh, making sure that you've got ready to go for you heading in to the big game coming up on this Sunday. Derek, you're, you're in Las Vegas. You 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 own the, the Circa Sports. Did you ever think this was going to happen where the Super Bowl was actually located and based in Las Vegas? Did you think this was going to take place? You know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I did Radio Row yesterday. I probably got asked that question about 20 times. And and, and and to be honest, the answer is no. Because, I mean, who would have ever thought, who would have ever thought, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, NFL had such a bad, had a, had, had a bad view of Las Vegas and a bad view of sports betting. Now, we all kind of thought that they're maybe, maybe talking a little bit out of two sides, two sides of their mouth because we always thought sports betting was a good thing. Um but we always thought, no, it's not going to happen. But then I think I think when Vegas got its hockey team and it did well right off the jump and 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 everything else like that, uh, things kind of changed and kind of paved the way for for the Raiders to come to Vegas. And then all of a sudden, you've got the full full change over here. Now with sports betting, you know, available in what 38 states, uh, you know, it's it's no longer uh, Vegas is a bad 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 uh, bad influence. I mean, I mean, hell, I think everybody understands it. That you know, wagering on sports. I mean, it's good for leagues. It's good for teams. It's good for team owners. It's good for players. It's good for media, and it's great for fans because now you get to have a little more skin in the game. It just enhances the it enhances the entertainment and viewing experience. Absolutely, and I I am curious. You know, I, I went to the game down in Miami when the Chiefs uh, were in the Super Bowl the last time around against the Forty Nine ers. I was covering that one on Radio Row and. I would just say that media wasn't thrilled with the way that that one was situated. Everything was far apart, all those different kinds of things. You said you were on Radio Row yesterday. How has the event itself gone off thus far in Las Vegas in your mind? Well, pretty good. Uh, you know, that's another interesting question here because, you know, I did Radio Row last year in Phoenix and coming out here. And, and yesterday, you know, kind of before going on, with everybody, I uh, I uh, I had opportunity to talk to everybody for a couple minutes, and, and and they all said, you know, this 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 setup in Vegas is unbelievable. It's organized. It's 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 all put together. A couple of guys said that they've done Radio Row. Uh, they've done Radio Row for over 25 years straight, and uh, they said they've never they've never seen a location like this. You know, I guess it goes to show. Like, I mean. I mean, Vegas throws parties, and, and that's kind of what we got to do. We, and we, I think we throw pretty good parties. I mean, Vegas is kind of made for this. You know, it's not like uh, this is a one-off thing where it takes six years to figure it out. You know, I, hell, I, I grew up in Detroit. You know, I mean, having a Super Bowl in Detroit when when Fort Field was new, that was something. I mean, you had a you had a you, had a, you, had, you use every hotel within seventy-five miles of the stadium. But I mean, Vegas, Vegas. You know, we we pull in four hundred thousand people every single weekend, so. Got a little experience throughout parties, so I think everybody was everybody was very very happy about it. 
Derek Stevens is the owner and CEO of Circus Sports out in Las Vegas. If you're not already familiarizing yourself with the app, Circus Sports over on the Illinois side of things, you definitely should be doing so. They've got the squares that are going to be available. Derek mentioned I, I hate playing squares in general uh, because you don't get to choose your number and you end up with like two numbers that there's a 4% chance of actually hitting at any point over the course of the game. With Circus Sports, you actually have the opportunity to choose the numbers that you're going to be able to get, which increases your odds in a, a significant significant way hey Derek thanks so much for hopping on with us man I can't imagine how busy you guys are out there at Circus Sports right now in Vegas all the best to you congrats enjoy the rest of this weekend we'll talk with you again soon my friend hey great thanks a lot great to talk to you guys good luck this weekend absolutely same to you that's Derek Stevens joining us here on 101 ESPN he is the owner and the CEO of Circus Sports out in Las Vegas I think what we're going to end up seeing T-Bone I, the league has kind of pushed back against this because they always want the new the new stadiums to have the opportunity to host a Super Bowl. So you get a, a Detroit, a New York, randomly. You'll have, like, Minnesota hosting the Super Bowl for, for a season. I think what we'll eventually have is Miami, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. And those will be the four places that host the vast majority of the Super Bowls. You'll probably have Dallas that gets in there on the off year here or there. But I think those are like the four main places that they'll eventually have is the the place where we go on a every five year stretch. Four of them will be hosted in these these spots. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. Well, they'll probably do that where it becomes basically those four kind of rotate around. And then that fifth one, if, it, if you want it to be Dallas or for whenever you get a new one, like I know Nashville's working on building a su- uh, new stadium there for the Titans, and I think a big promise for them is that they will get the Super Bowl. So I can see where they end up deciding that those are the four best places for them to host the Super Bowl, and then that fifth one you either throw in Dallas or if you have a new stadium where you have to guarantee kind of the promise of a Super Bowl, you end up doing it in Nashville again. Like you said, that would be a good one as well. But, yeah, I could see where they really want to try and get to those four spots because that's when I think Super Bowl, I do think of, like, New Orleans. I do think of Miami. I'm now probably going to start thinking of Las Vegas yep. as those main spots. Yeah, go where the events are. Yeah. You know, when I was down in Miami, it it was cool the way that it was hosted, but the problem is everything is so far away. And this is something I don't think people re- – some people that have never been to the Super Bowl, if you've never been, the week of Super Bowl is as big of a deal as the actual game itself. Like, it's a, it's a week-long event that is taking place in your city. It's kind of like, remember when St. Louis hosted the All-Star game for the NHL? It's not, that is not to the same degree as Super Bowl, obviously, but you had some of the events that were leading into that weekend, where it's like a five-day event for that. This is like nine days that takes yeah. place wherever the host site is for the Super Bowl. And so for Miami... You had some stuff that was in South Beach. You had some stuff that was in Miami proper. You had some stuff that was like 40 minutes north. That's where the Chiefs were staying, for example. And so it just became so far away for everybody that there'd be something that's taking place at the Chiefs Hotel 40 minutes north. And 20 minutes later, you would need to be on South Beach for the next event. There's just no way to get there. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest differences between having it at a place like Las Vegas is everything is right there. Everybody is staying right there. The one difference, of course, is that uh, the teams from my buddy are staying in Henderson, which is like a solid 20 minutes away from the strip. (laughs) They were like, we are not having you guys staying on the strip the week of the Super Bowl when we've got 150, 20 to 35 year old men that are going to be staying at this hotel together. No chance. What could go wrong? Yeah, no, there's no (laughs) chance they were going to be willing to have that take place. All right, coming up in about 15 minutes, which non-quarterback 
has the most to gain with the Super Bowl victory. Earlier today, we talked about the person with the most to lose. Who is the guy with the most to gain? We'll get into that coming up at 1.30, believe it or not, coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look at what's happened to me. I can't All right, boys. This is the this best is the part time. about our show. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe we weren't top 10 in the last survey I saw of top midday shows. Number 11. Just on the outside it looking It should in. be in the top 10 because of this song. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? It's just me. 3143996466 is the air comfort service text line for Believe It or Not. We'll give you a scenario. You tell us if you are believing it or not here on 101 ESPN. All right, let's get into this one, T-Bone. Believe it or not, the LA Dodgers will win at least 110 games this season, be one of the five best teams by regular season wins in the last 25 years. Oh, man. I'm not going to believe it. I think it takes a year before they finally get all these superstars meshed together. How often is it that you see the team that wins the offseason ends up actually winning big time in the regular season? Now, granted, the Dodgers are doing this on a whole other level. Texas Rangers. Took them two years, though. Like, they, I thought they did a really good off. Like, the year they signed Seager and Bell, or uh, Simeon, they didn't win that but year. Then the next year, they signed Jacob deGrom. People thought they won that one. Now, Jacob yeah. deGrom didn't have anything to do with the fact that they say. ended up winning the World Series. But, you know. Um I, I'll not believe, I think they'll be really good, though. I'm not like saying they're going to win 85 games and be looking at the Cardinals in that third tier, but I, I think they'll win like 100. I'm not going to say they're going to win 110, though. They're, to me, their rotation still has so many guys that deal with a lot of injuries to where I could see where it just goes, oh, yeah, they have Yamamoto and then some guy I've never heard of two through five. Believe it for me, the rotation is going to work itself out in the second half, and until then, slug, baby, slug. This lineup is absolutely going to feast on the rest of the competition in the NL West. We established it early on. Guys, not only do you have the big boppers, a big three like no other, you are so much better at different positions around the diamond, too. Believe this one. I'm believing it as well. I think they end up getting to like 110, 111, somewhere in that range. And then they end up flaming out of the postseason because that's what the L.A. Dodgers do. T-Bone, what do you got for us today? Guys, believe it or not, we will see a 2020 season from a St. Louis Cardinal this year. I saw this in the paper today from Benjamin Hockman. 20 stolen bases, 20 home runs. Yep. And he said he liked Jordan Walker to potentially do it. So believe it or not, we will see a Cardinal. I'm not saying it has to be Walker, but a Cardinal, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Man, it's just hard to see who the real candidate is for this. I mean, Jordan Walker, I suppose, would be one. He stole seven bases last year. I just don't know that that's what you want him doing. I don't know that I want to take the risk of him, either injury or the effectiveness. He he was like at 60% in terms of his stolen base rate last year, which is not good enough uh, to recommend sending him more often. I'd say not. I don't think that you have a... I think your guys that are going to steal bases are guys that don't hit enough home runs to get into this kind of category and the guys that hit home runs don't steal enough bases so i'm gonna say not i don't think you have one if lars could get to 20 bombs i think the stolen bases would be there provided again that he's able to stay on the field but goldie doesn't have that 20 steal potential any longer i'm not sure i'm willing to go 20 steals for jordan walker so for now i can't believe it yeah i'm i'm not gonna believe it either i i just don't know if walker want would be stealing 20 bases i, I think you're right i don't know if you really want him to do that 
the, the big body that he has and roaming out there in the outfield, you don't see Judge trying to steal 20 bases for a reason. So um, I, I'm not going to believe this. If I had to pick a candidate for it, would you hear? I, I would hear the argument for Newpar. I would even like kind of throw Donovan's hat into the ring, but he doesn't steal enough bases to even get close to that. Yeah, I, just, so. I don't see the candidates here in St. Louis, unfortunately. I'd love to see it. Um, I, if Tyler O'Neill was here, going into a walk year free agency wise <laughs> if he was guaranteed a spot in the lineup every day he would have been my candidate but now he's not you here. think he does 2020 in boston this year i could see it i can't because i don't think he'd want to run he'll get the time i think i think he'll do it because he's he's hitting free agency man like this i think tyler o'neill's gonna be good this year i think he's gonna have gonna have a good season there's gonna be no pressure in boston that team's gonna be bad and oh, he's gonna still be, be pressure to- I suppose, but I, I think he's going to go out there and I think he finishes the year with like 25 plus bombs, strikes out 30% of the time and finishes with an OPS over 800. I think he's going to have a good year for them. And I, even if all of that happens, I will still commend the Cardinals. Made the right move. It was time. It was time to move on from Tyler O'Neill. Bradford, what do you got? This is sacrilegious in St. Louis, but I'm going for it nonetheless. We are T-minus 34 minutes, gentlemen, from the NBA trade deadline. Very little movement thus far, but your boy and mine, BK, LeBron James. Nah, he's not going anywhere. We understand that. What will the Lakers do? We're not sure. But, 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 believe it or not, LeBron, number 23, will finish his NBA career in Los Angeles. Uh, not. Nah, I don't think he's going to finish it there. I wish that he would tell them to trade him now. I would love to see him go to like, we talked about this yesterday. Go to New York, play for the Knicks. Let's see what that looks like. Go to, if he was healthy, Philadelphia, play with Joel Embiid. Let's see what it looks like between the two of you guys there. I would love to see him back in Miami. I think that'd be interesting. T-Bone, you brought up Cleveland yesterday. They would be an interesting spot for him. I think if he would will- be willing to do it, he wouldn't. Going to Oklahoma City would be amazing team's super young they've got a million different guys that could take off some of the load from him they've got a a a ton of length defensively as well which takes off some of the difficult minutes defensively for lebron he doesn't play defense anymore minnesota would be a good one carl anthony towns ain't gonna be a part of that in the long haul so there's a lot of options where i think he could make a lot of sense but he's gonna want the location and i think the only location that makes sense for him is new york and i think that happens in the off season not at this year's trade deadline yeah i'm not gonna believe that he finished his career in the lakers for the first time i've kind of felt that way because i i just don't know if they can win a title with him anymore they're kind of running out of resources anthony davis i'm not sure can be the guy that can kind of help carry lebron to that point anymore i i don't think he finished his career there i hope he finishes his career in cleveland like if next year was his last year I know they probably don't have the best roster. I know they don't have the best roster that he would go to and could help them win a title. But I would just like to see the complete story arc of drafted by Cleveland, left, came back, brought home the first title, left again, and then said, you know what? My final ride needs to be where I started, my hometown. I want to finish it in Cleveland. That's what I hope happens. That would be very compelling. And the amazing thing this year, the Lakers are still floating around that 500 line despite... I'm bringing this on air, too. I, we talked about this off air. I hope LeBron would get traded, so I don't have to talk about that crappy Lakers team anymore. They're, terrible. They're not good. Uh, hey, I'm the bl- play-in tournament keeps them alive. I'm Thanks a lot, Adam Silver. Going to Sorry, believe to this one? Out. I'm believing it because this front office will still at every stop bend to number 23's will and guess what's going to happen in the draft this forthcoming summer no. Bronny Jr. is no. going to be taken in the he's second not, round he's not going to the NBA uh, he's not going to get drafted by the Lakers we'll because see. LeBron's not going to be there the guy that frustrates me to no end is still Anthony Davis god 
He is so damn frustrating. He's only 30 years old. Did you guys know that? Anthony Davis is 30 like years old. Forever. He has. He's been in the league since 2012. He's been terrific this year. Uh, he's been fine. He's, he's been terrific. He has been the most impactful post defender in the league, bar none. Sure. And I know that I can't count on him in the playoffs. Because you can't count on him to be healthy. He's just never healthy. When he's healthy, he's good. He's Tyler O'Neal. He can't, he can't stay healthy, man. I can't trust that guy to be a second-best player on a team with LeBron James. I just can't trust him. I could trust Dwayne Wade until the final year, and that's why LeBron James left. I could trust Kyrie Irving until suddenly he decided, I want to go get my own team, and then he couldn't be there any longer. I, you need somebody that you can trust in that Robin role, and you cannot trust Anthony Davis in that role. Well, the problem right now is that you're referring to Davis as Robin. Davis needs to be Batman at he's 30 until LeBron's not, 39. Well, we know he's not. He's not going to be that guy. He isn't that guy. He never will be that guy. He is somebody that is best suited in a number three role at this point in his career. And it's not because he's not capable, but you need two other dudes that can handle the load he's because he's going to be role. gone. Half the time. Yeah, he needs to be in that Kevin Love role yeah. from that Cleveland team. He's got to be the bonus. He's the cherry on the top of the Sunday. Unfortunately, in Los Angeles right now, they don't have the Sunday to put the cherry on top of. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The YouTube chat is over at youtube.com slash 101 ESPN STL for your guys' edition of Believe It or Not. From the 636, guys, believe it or not, Christian McCaffrey will win Super Bowl MVP this year. I'm not going to believe it because I think it would take like a Herculaneum type performance. Like he'd have to go off for like 120 rushing yards, have like two, three touchdowns, a handful of receiving yards. Just like the MVP award is a quarterback award, the Super Bowl MVP for the most part is a quarterback award. There are certain quarterbacks that win it by default, right? When Mahomes is in the Super Bowl, the last time he shouldn't have won the Super Bowl MVP, it should have been Damian uh, Williams. He should have won MVP in my opinion. They gave it to Mahomes though because – when there's not an obvious, like, can't-miss-it opportunity, it goes to the by default, which is the quarterback. I don't think that's the case on the 49ers, though. I actually think that there is a very realistic scenario in which Christian McCaffrey wins Super Bowl MVP. I'm not believing it because I don't think he's the 49ers are going to win. So it'd be hard for him to win it when the other team wins the game and then it goes to Patrick Mahomes. But if you believe the 49ers are going to win, I think betting a little bit on Christian McCaffrey as MVP makes some sense. I don't think that that's a bad bet at all, honestly. Mahomes even had a pick or two in the most recent matchup between those two teams. He he did not, not particularly until the second half. I'm not believing this one because my feelings are trending so strongly toward Kansas City. It's a realistic scenario. I grant you that absolutely, BK. But far and away, it's going to be a Chief, and it's going to be number 15. We know it. Uh, he's uh, plus 425 right now over on the Circus Sports app for best? MVP. It is, yeah. He's 425. Brock Purdy is at plus uh, 225. And then you got a bunch of other guys that are serious long shots on the uh, on the MVP route. So like 25 to 1 is Debo Samuel. That, that'd be an interesting one. I, and it, you could see it with the running game as well, where he yeah. lines up in the backfield a couple of times. Like, finishes with four carries for 75 yards and five receptions for 60 and has two touchdowns that, that could be a way that he ends up getting mvp i could see that who would who would be because the re, the most recent defensive player to win it was von miller right when the when mm-hmm. denver beat carolina who would be the defensive player that you would be well if you were to do this to put a bet on jones bosa young sneed yeah i mean any of those not young Bosa could be the guy. Bosa, I, I feel like typically it goes to somebody that's a pass rusher, unless there's yeah. multiple interceptions and good luck figuring out who's going to get those. Nick Bolden this time around? <laughs> 
I just don't know that he's he doesn't have the flash plays normally. Yeah. He had the scoop and score, and that wasn't enough for him against the Eagles. I would say Jones or Bosa, but those are also going to be the ones that have the worst odds over uh, in Vegas as well. It's like Bosa right now to win MVP is 45 to one. You can see throwing a few bucks on that, I guess. You're throwing you're throwing money into the wind and or lighting it on fire. Like just understand that up front. But this is what it's like to bet on the Super Bowl. So why not? Chris Jones at 85 to one. That's fine. Yeah, you almost have to have like three sacks in the game. And now it just comes down to. You know, I think the San Francisco middle there is kind of questionable. I think Jones, could, I could see where he does that. And I could see where maybe Bosa, if if the tackles don't hold up, I could see where they end up getting advantage. Bosa comes in, gets like three sacks, a strip fumble. I think Miller had a strip fumble and a touchdown, if I remember correctly, in that Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, that's the formula. Now, that's a hard formula for me to put money down on, but I could see throwing a couple bucks on that. All right, 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line from the 217. Guys, believe it or not, Kadarius Tony will be active for the Super Bowl. Nah, they're still teaching him how to line up onside. I'm going to be so mad if he's active. Like, legitimately upset. If they if they activate Kadarius Tony and he is on the field at any point in time during the Super Bowl, I'm going to be furious. Absolutely if he, not. If he lines up offsides and that costs him a Super Bowl, are you calling in sick the next day? I, I'm not calling in sick, but you guys are going to be very mad at me because I will have a rant the next day. <laughs> no, I love a good rant. Oh. Who are you sacrificing to actually dress Tony? You know that Watson's a constant. James is your return guy now. Hardman's not. No, he, he's dressing. He's not touching the ball. Well, that's what hope. I'm saying. If you decide to make Kadarius Tony active, it would be at the expense of McCole Hardman. No way. I would not do that. I would absolutely He's a number one wideout if he gets the ball, he said. Why wouldn't you believe that? That's exactly why I don't want him active. <laughs> if he still believes that he has that capability, he's going to try to make something happen that does not need to happen. I don't need that. The Chiefs' biggest strength in the playoffs, outside of the McCall Hardman uh, fumble, which is why he didn't play in the AFC Championship game other than one play, literally one play, their biggest strength has been holding on to the football. Just not giving the other team the game. And Kadarius Tony, not once, but multiple time this, times this year, directly led to a loss. He, whether it was a bobbled pass to an interception that happened multiple times, by the way, or lining up literally offsides, he directly led to losses for the Chiefs. You I, cannot have that guy as a part of your roster in the Super Bowl. I you would can't throw have him. He ball. shouldn't even be there right now. He should be at home Whoa. in Kansas City or send him to Australia for a week-long no. vacation. Like, I don't care where you got to send him. He's got to go away. I, he cannot. I, he can't be in the stadium on Super Bowl Sunday. You can't allow it. He needs to go to the sphere. The guy that was walking over the sphere yesterday, <laughs> that should be Canarius Tony. He should be hanging no. out with that man. No, no, no. I, I hope now I'm just hoping for this so I can see the complete oh. reversal on Monday. Tanner, I, I hope Tony is active and I hope he scores the game winning touchdown. No I chance. would throw the ball 50 times to Blake Bell as opposed to just once no. to Kadarius Tony. And that's not in a front you're to sleeping, Blake Bell. You're sleeping on Tony. I, I want a video of Reed putting his arms around him going to his number one wide receiver comment going, you're not that guy, pal. Okay. You're they, not that they guy. Said all, they said all summer, Kadarius Tony has the capability of being a number one wide receiver. And I was like, but, but, but why? how? Based on what? Like his success was literally, they had a play called Corndog and they, all it was was him lining up and saying, I'm open and then running into the end zone. Scott Free, there's nobody around him within five yards. He lined up in the wrong spot. Oh, did he get in the Super Bowl? Ah, oh, that's tough. <laughs> he got a touchdown out of it. Maybe Eric enemy uh, was the key. I don't know.
apparently. <laughs> All right, coming up, he's back around, so hey, who knows? Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll hit the BK and Ferrario rewind. But next, which non-quarterback has the most gain with the Super Bowl victory? We'll tell you here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, so which quarterback has the most to gain here in this year's Super Bowl? Excuse me. Take two. Which non-quarterback has the most to gain with a Super Bowl this year? The quarterback with the most to gain is Patrick Mahomes. The quarterback with the second most to gain is Brock Purdy. There's not a whole lot of conversation to be had there. Which non-quarterback, though, T-Bone, in your mind, has the most to gain with a victory this year? I, I think it's – I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball, uh, and I'm looking at Chris Jones. You had mentioned him earlier where this probably could lock him into the Hall of Fame, a destination – in Canton to get a Super Bowl under his belt. I would say Bosa as well kind of falls into that. Bosa's still missing that Super Bowl title, and he's one of the best pass rushers, I would say, of this generation. I I think those are the two guys that I look at on the defensive side of the ball that I would say, you know what, I I think they probably would be Hall of Famers without a Super Bowl, but I think it definitely can really lock in their case if you can look next to their pro football uh, reference page and you see, oh, they won a Super Bowl. So I I would say those two. I, I don't know about you, offensively, I, I don't know if there's somebody that I really look at and say that guy really needs a Super Bowl in my in my opinion. McCaffrey. McCaffrey would be one of those guys. I don't think he like necessarily needs it, but I think it bolsters your argument of being the running back of the generation. Yeah. Because if you have a Super Bowl and especially if he gets the Super Bowl MVP, like that speaks, man. Uh, Terrell Davis, I mentioned it earlier, is the last running back to be able to claim Super Bowl MVP. I think that's a big deal for Christian McCaffrey. I think he could go down as having a little bit more, um, a little higher Q rating next to his name if yeah. he's able to do that. I'll give you somebody else on the San Francisco roster. And BK, I won't debate the merits of Kelsey sure. versus Kittle again. But I do think, speaking of, okay, I, I won't, I won't. I've learned my lesson there. But if you really look and examine the body of George Kittle's career and so many of the insider types, right? They like to refer to not only the statistics, which have been good, but not great, not in the same landscape of a Travis Kelsey. Everybody wants to absolutely proclaim just how great he is, how transformative he is as a run blocker and the do-everything tight end. Add a Super Bowl to his resume with a big performance to boot. If you're talking about about making some catches, stretching the field and doing it all, I think that he could make a case as far as beyond just the statistics, beyond just the numbers. He could put himself in that conversation as one of the best modern tight ends, no questions asked. Yeah, no, he can't. Uh, But if you want to look at what he's done so far in his NFL career, he's played 11 (laughs) postseason games thus far in his career. In 11 games, how many yards do you think George Kittle has? Kittle? Um, 11 playoff games over the last four seasons. I guess uh, five seasons technically, but four, four playoff. I feel like it's low. 450. Exactly, exactly 450. For real? He's averaging 44 <laughs> yards a game. No, man, get out of here. You can't just ignore all of that for one good game in the Super Bowl. Will it help him? Sure, but... I like George Kittle a lot. I think he's one of the most fun personalities in the NFL. Like, if we're talking off-field stuff, that dude's unbelievable, and I love him. But if we're talking, like, Stalter, I heard him talking the other day about his run blocking. Get the hell out of here with George Kittle's run blocking. I don't want to hear that. He's an actual tight end. Yeah, he, he is. Thank you, Stalter. He's a throwback. You know what I need my it's tight end three. to do? That's the position. Yeah, no, need throwback. No. you got to catch the ball. You know what Travis yeah. Kelsey is? He's a glorified wide receiver. Put up his numbers against any of the wide receivers in the league. The guy stacks up against any of them. I agree. George Kittle, give me more than 40 yards in a playoff game. 
Just he's, more than 40. He's a tight end, though. He's blocking consistently. Sure. Go, he goes out in routes, right? He does, absolutely. Like 30, 40 times a game? And you, he catches three he balls a game. Is is can't dis, um, When did Kansas City get Debo? And they also got Brandon Ayer. Well, they had all those guys. They don't, just don't have them anymore. <laughs> they, had Travis, they had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek, um, Sammy Watkins. They right. had a bunch of dudes. And I don't, think don't Kelsey, anymore. I don't think Kelsey was getting 16 targets in a game, in a playoff game with those guys around. regularly. That's 16. Six, 16 targets that Kelsey got in the AFC title game. Sure, yeah. When Tyreek was there, no he's chance, getting, right? He was getting 10 to 12 regularly. Right. 16, no, but like George Kittle's career high in the playoffs is seven. To me, Kelsey's a wide receiver, and yeah. everybody disagrees with me. That's fine. No, you're right. He's a slot receiver. Yes, exactly. He, he, it's a different body, but he's Julian Edelman. He's just the evolution of what Julian Edelman used to be, or Cooper Cup, or yeah. um, you know Adam Thielen, any of these guys that have had success in the in the slot. See, BK gets it. Yeah. All right. Keep up the Good great stuff, work. So looking forward to hearing you coming up in about ten minutes or so on the fast lane. What your thoughts are in this year's Super Bowl? Um, you know, George Kittle would be such a hot button topic for me. It frustrates me to no end that people put him in the same conversation as like Kelsey and Gronk. He's not. It's okay. He's in the next tier. It's like a second-tier tight end, and a win in the Super Bowl doesn't change that for him. The guy to me that it changes stuff for is Chris Jones. Chris Jones could be one of the defensive players of this era. Like, if we go back and we look at the, you know how they do the all-decades team, right? When you do the all-decades team for the 2020s, it very likely will be Aaron Donald and Chris Jones as your two defensive tackles. And I know my, my, my guy, Therese Paler, rest in peace to him, he used to be a, a, one of the Hall of Fame voters. And he would always talk about how important that all-decades team is for Hall of Fame voters, where they look back on it and they're like, if you really want to look at it, don't, don't look at the All-Pros, don't look at the Pro Bowls, look at the all-decades team. That'll tell you a lot about how that player was remembered amongst his peers in that era of football. And so for Chris Jones, I think this is his last year with the Chiefs. I don't think he's going to have another opportunity to go on this kind of a playoff run because you don't get these playoff runs very often when you're not in Kansas City playing with Patrick Mahomes. And so he's got to go. He's got to go for it right now. He had a really good Super Bowl at the end of it in the last game, but for the first few quarters, he was pretty quiet. In the postseason thus far, he's kind of taken on the old Frank Clark rule, where Frank Clark used to be the guy that was the closer. Disappearing act for three quarters, you get to the fourth quarter, that dude took over games in the final couple of drives. Chris Jones has done that to a degree this postseason. I want to see him have four quarters of showing up. And if he's able to do that, a Super Bowl win with him being a significant part of why they won the game, I think he's the guy for me with the most to gain, especially given that I think it's his last game in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I I would agree with that because I if it is his last game, it, it very well could be his last Super Bowl because who knows where he's going to end up signing and I think you're right. And not only if he shows up for four quarters, he shows up for four quarters. There's also a chance he has a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Like I, I said, the formula for a defensive player is like three sacks, two and a half sacks, maybe a forced fumble in there as well. Well, if he plays well for four quarters, he's going to be generating a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy. And that will definitely at least garner some consideration for a Super Bowl MVP. You win another Super Bowl and you're Chris Jones and you play really well on it and you potentially get a Super Bowl MVP, then that really changes the legacy. And to your point, Definitely solidifies your spot being right there with Aaron Donald. George Kissel better than George Kittle, according to our text line. I agree with that text. I'm not disagreeing. I, I it sure seems like I gotta look up who Cardinal George Kissel Nation, is. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, the the base. I was like football guy. All right, now I know. Now I know. I'm a little slow. 
314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Think about all the Georges are, that are better than George Kittle. George Kittle is like a top 50 George of all time. Not even a top we'll last see time. if you're sweating wow. a little bit as he seals you know that what? edge and produces a couple of I, I touchdowns you that on we'll Sunday. Okay. Zero. Right. Zero to I do with my concern game. level on Sunday. Zero. He's Tanner Hendrickson. That's Bradford Bruns. I'm Brandon Kylie. The Rewind is next. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow morning, you can help heat up St. Louis during the 24th annual Hardee's Rise and Shine fundraiser. Stop by any participating Hardee's in the Bi-State area. Tomorrow morning, you can grab a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for just $1. I will be out in St. Peter's at the Zumbel location from 6 to 8 o'clock in the morning. If you guys want to come out, say hello. Grab yourself a sausage or an egg biscuit for just $1. 100% of those proceeds of all funds collected will help heat up St. Louis, supporting people in need in both Missouri and and Illinois. Coming up here in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to win a pair of single session passes for the 2024 MVC tournament coming up on March 7th through the 10th at Enterprise Center. That's Arch Madness returning here to St. Louis. We'll give you that opportunity here in just a minute. Uh, George's that I think are better than uh, George Kittle, George Strait, George Clooney, George Michael, George Foreman, George Washington, people forget about that guy. True. Uh, George Lucas, Babe Ruth was George originally Lucas. named George. Uh, so boy George, there's a bunch of Georges. Uh, George Kittle, George Costanza, seventy five. George of all time, maybe, and that's putting it rather generously. George of the Jungle. See, there you go. A lot, lot of Georges that would come in I've well never, ahead. Never rooted for a single player more in a Super Bowl than I'm going to be rooting for George Kittle. George Kittle is, I think, like seventh on my list of fears going into this game against the 49ers. I would be more fearful going into this game of Christian McCaffrey. You say refs? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that is on the list as well, for sure. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams on the offensive side of things scares me more than George Kittle. No way. Uh, Next we're going to see Josh Moody. Nick Bosa, uh, Traverius Ward, and then finally maybe after that you'd probably get yourself to a a place where you're concerned about what George Bleepin' Kittle is going to do. Curious George. I I could George support. isn't even the best George in this game. George Karloftis is better than George Kittle. Okay. I could now support everybody on your list that you had there until you went Trent Williams. What? No. He's not more of a fear than George Kittle. He's, unless they're running the Lions play where he's reporting eligible and he's going into the end zone to catch a touchdown. Pass. I don't know if I disagree with you there. I'm just saying that it doesn't delegitimize the standing of Kittle as a player. You've it got does. these threats across the field. We understand that. If Curious George is better it. than you as a George, then you're not the best tight end of all time. That's what I've always said. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you're texture number 101, and you can tell us what the answer was to this question, you are getting a pair of single session passes to Arch Madness. Earlier today, we mentioned an individual that was sitting outside of a casino and he was giving out free samples of his product with his business card. What city was he doing that in? If you can answer that with the correct city, you're going with the home with a pair of tickets to see Arch Madness, the annual MVC tournament at Enterprise Center. Hey, if you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com and the free 101ESPN app. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. talk to you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. Fast Lane's coming up next. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.